3: Do Let's do Let's it, and do a, the show like an. What it is, my staff? I might have my insurance people ringing me for my mic insurance. So mic insurance?
2: <laughs> so you got insurance for your microphone or for you? <laughs> my mic insurance. All oh, right.
3: The bad plan. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's an absolute flipping racket, isn't it? Insurance. Oh my. God. My
2: 11 year old agrees with you. He thinks absolute that insurance. If you racket. just never paid insurance. And kept all that money in a bank
0: account. You'd be better off. Obviously, there are some things you have to do legally, but yeah, Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, (laughs) uh, what what I find so frustrating with insurance is, go on. You you use it because it's legal, and then your car gets stolen, which isn't your fault. And then you pay through the nose because you're—they you got,
3: got you by the balls,
0: mate. I, which is just so unfair. I'm trying to get my motorbike insurance. Well, someone no. could someone could crash into the back of you, which is absolutely yes. not your fault, and it's not because you live in an area with high car crime. It's because there was an idiot on the road at that time sharing yes. the road with you. Yes. Your premiums go up. I've never I've never thought that was uh, fair.
3: Well, my it's my motorbike insurance, right? So, long story okay. short, is. I changed my card since I suppose, like an auto renew that didn't that didn't kick in because I changed my card because I I'd say be long last... story short isn't the policy of this podcast but go on well yeah yeah right, so it's, it's a short story long if I'm honest yeah boring <laughs> story long <laughs> <laughs> I had my I had the audacity to get my card nicked by somebody else okay. so I had to change had to change my card details right yeah so my renew didn't go through like it should like it should have gone through right so uh, so currently I'm trying I'm, I'm stressing the make I need to get it insured. So I went through a broker. I was I was advised because I get such hassle. Mm. Always trying to use directly with idiots and voice loops and press one, press two, listen to fucking elevating music for an hour, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, "Why don't you ever use a broker?" Okay, I'll use a broker
0: for motorbike mm. insurance. Mm. Yeah, I'd use Google but go on it's just well, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah, a it's a go just compare should... and Dot com, and then the ones that aren't yes the and, and wait hours, and, and, hours yeah. and
3: hours and hours oh. and hours and you want to change some on, on your policy how, how much is your time worth so i thought well if it's going to cost me an extra 20 quid yeah it's not i'll go through a broker right it's gonna cost you more than that but go on so my i mean i was fairly incensed that my insurance had gone up from 90 pounds to 120 pounds anyway right? so okay yeah i think well i never ride the bike it's now worth less than it was a year ago i'm older mm. you know it's Sure. you know, I'd never get accidents or speeding tickets. This should be going down, shouldn't it? <laughs> right, but it's going up, right? Why Why was it going up, do you know? Because he's weaker, you <laughs> he can't hold the handlebars off as much. So now, I shit you not, right? I found the broker yesterday, my premium has tripled, so it's now like 330 quid. I said, I said, I'm not paying it. Uh, I said, why? So I spoke yeah. to the broker yesterday, I'm not going to name names because. <laughs> <laughs> the one person who works there is a is a friend of mine's sister, right? So I'm okay. not going to name the company. Yeah. So he said um, we have spoken to the insurer. They had to go back to the underwriter. I said why? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Uh, and then it was it was like it was. He, <laughs> he might he be a to, broker.
0: Uh, he managed to insult me, but I never me. told you I was a particularly good
3: one. No. He managed to insult me and fleece me simultaneously. He was taking to do it. He's going uh, Well, the thing is. Uh, you say you're like a writer and a... And a... <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, well... I've seen some of your stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, he, they, he basically said, but um, you've they've done a search and, you, and you've done a little bit of TV work. Not much. Not much. <laughs> he, kept, he kept saying not much. Right? Not much. Then he's going... So uh, he said, this is going to sound daft, I know. He said, but you're seen as an entertainer now, so as, far as, as far as insurance is concerned. So to entertainer is worse than writer in insurance terms. <laughs> sure. And he kept saying, no, I know you're not. I, don't really, so I know it's only bits. I don't find you entertaining. I thought, fuck you, mate. Stop telling me. <laughs> I know it's only bits. I know you're not actually an entertainer. But for the end writers, that's what you're categorised as. I thought I want to say to mate I am an entertainer as it goes, you fucking. Fucking not very entertaining, and I fucking right? Well that might have cost me more
2: money. So I- <laughs>
0: well they, they think that writers sit in a house all day and are nerdy and wear thick specs and just write, whereas entertainers have always got someone like Prince in the car and drive <laughs> go erratically with, with a, with a because bike? they're full of adrenaline after the gig. <laughs> well, you give you give him a Madonna, you give him Madonna a lift home from the gig. And you're driving erratically because you had a 'cause you had a really good one. And she's she's squeezing away, saying, Go faster, Mike, go faster. Go on,
3: Michael, go on. Well she go would on. if my insurance policy covered a pillion passenger, which it doesn't. Right? She'd have to get her own motorbike <laughs> home. She can't go on the back of mine anyway for my policy, right? So what the fuck? You charge me three times as much and tell me i I know you're not actually an entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your stuff. It's... I know so only bits on telly. I fuck stop saying I've only done bits on telly. <laughs> I've turned she... down quite a lot, actually. Yeah, nothing just brings the mind but I have. <laughs> I, t- I,
0: I turned down popular programs on social media and the rest of the television I do. I'm very grateful for, but don't <laughs> it is bits.
3: So at the moment I've got an uninsured motorbike is so my problem. Um, I'm hoping to get nicked. By the time this goes out, it'll be insured, so I can say. Okay,
2: it. That's, that's good. It. That's fine then. I don't want anyone to
3: like try and find Casa and. C- can
0: you can you not go back to the original company, Mike? Well, that's
3: what I've done. Insurance, but um, I was on the phone yes- yesterday for. Well, I gave up after forty-five minutes. I gave up because they they play. To be fair, a very a very good play. Their, their actual <laughs> good playlist, you call it playlist, is good.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, you're on hold for forty-five minutes. Some bangers
3: yeah. on there was that. But after every sort of song, it tells you you're now tenth in the queue. I think, okay, well, I'll listen to like whatever. A bit yeah. of a ver- bit of the verve, bit of the verve. Nice. When the verve finished, you are now. I'm, Tenth, and they go, oh fuck off! The t- I'm still tenth after the verve, It's quite a long song as well. The next track is five. I might hang
2: on for another <laughs> three minutes
3: here. But you end up, so I ended up giving up. when well, I was fourth in the queue. But I've been on for forty-five minutes. So that I can't, I can't. I Why didn't you have the phone
0: it. on speakerphone and then do other yeah. stuff like maybe put well maybe That's
3: what I did. Like. I was driving the car. I was, I was doing things. But I just thought, oh, fuck! I can't do this anymore. And then I said, use that. So then I, I tweeted a, an abusive tweet. <laughs> well done. That'll fix it. And the blog got in touch and said, "Why don't you try our web chat?" I said, "Yeah, I've tried your web chat. It's toilet because so they, they keep all the web chat does after I've been frustrated for ten minutes is tell me to ring." Oh, so I'd dear. like to, to just deal with it. So now, what I'm getting to is they're hey, going to ring me at some point. I hate to say this,
0: Mike. Go on. I think it's you. Don't say it.
3: <laughs> How I? They don't even know me.
0: I've only done this. No, no, am. <laughs>
3: No one knows who I am. Why are they picking on me? That IMDB, just bits. <laughs> Go and pick Isn't on Rob Beckett or Ramos Ranganathan or somebody.
0: I've only done bits. Proper celebs. <laughs> 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 before we before we move on though, Mike. Yeah. Obviously winners have qualified for a World Cup. Oh um, yeah. You we, the three of us wrote the game. Yes. Yeah. As someone who was more of a rugby fan than a football fan. I'm desperate to know your impressions of the match and the experience and everything, Mike, because I've been to loads of games, so I know what I think, but it was... Well, you know, the, funnily enough, people
3: accuse me of riding the uh, the Ellis James coattails and being being the uh, <laughs> Welshman for hire. A of, so I did Hawksby uh, and Jacobs the day after. Oh, yes, or I, or I did Colin. I did bits on Bit. Hawksby Jacobs. <laughs> And and bits I did bits on Talk sports. and then I did a little bit on um, Colin Murray's show. <laughs> but I, and I was quite honest about it. I said I've been to dozens and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of rugby games. Right, mm. that atmosphere last week for the football was better than all of those. It was f- fucking nuts, pardon <laughs> my French. Right, so like, I saw you off the ground, didn't I? We got in there.
2: Yeah.
3: I didn't know where the tickets were because my mate my, Dan Thwait got me the tickets. Yeah, yeah. As we get up, I said, "Jesus Christ, mate!" I, I was in line with the with the penalty spot and an eight rows back.
0: You were opposite the canton stand, weren't you? This, yeah, the, in the family yeah, stand.
3: Yeah. I said, "There's a goal first half, mate. We're right there." Right. So bloody hell! So, and then David Owen came on, and all that. There was all the atmosphere. I was the, saw the Ukraine fans were in the away uh, corner on the right hand side of us. And Ben's been to loads of games as well with me, international Six Nations games. You know, autumn internationals. He's with his mate Alex, who's Dan's son. And when the, when um Amorahiev finished the, the one before the match, he went, "God, that's loud!" And it was. It was really yeah. loud, right? Wasn't it? And the, the mm. anthem was incredible. Everyone was in red, apart from the Ukrainians. We were all in blue and yellow. The whole thing, mate. The whole build up was bang on. Because we were in the the family stand. When we were in the concourse, there's like a DJ going on, playing yeah, some yeah. decent music. The food wasn't stupidly priced. There were kids everywhere, women, blokes, young people. I thought, bloody hell, they got this absolutely bang on now. So it was jumping. The whole game was jumping. And then when they scored the goal, I was stood. Ben and Alex went to stand on the steps to get a bit of a better view. I was right on the end of the the row. They went and stood on on the steps by the crash barrier. And Dan said to me, he's not going to go for this, is he?
0: That's what I said to him. I said he's, he's I said he's left foot, he's left footed. There's no chance he'll score from
3: there. I, uh, I, I, I said he probably is. Bang right, and I know this put down as an own goal, but I mean for me it was it was a bit of a deflection, right? But, but I think it was going to go in anyway. I am obviously. Yeah. The place went off didn't it? It was yeah, yeah. it was just yeah. incredible. <laughs> so then I was sat at home later. I, I didn't have a drink during the game because I couldn't, we talked about this before, I couldn't take a drink back to my seats. So mm. right, I'm here to watch football. Yeah. So we had, uh, I had a Coke, Ben had a Coke, back to the seats. The game was fantastic. It pissed on me rain afterwards. Yeah. I didn't get wet during the game. Yeah. Walked home with the rain. Thought no point trying to phone Kelly. By the time she gets you. I could have walked home. Get in, I'm drenched. Uh, Steph was on kid duty. You were going back to London. I was sort of on kid duty, so I thought, well, I had one glass of wine. Yeah. And it was lovely because I thought I could remember every single second. I could, yeah. And usually yeah. I get fucking blotto. I have, watch, <laughs> I have to watch like Scrum Five the next day to find out what the score was. Yeah, what but, I was angry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, what was I was angry, angry about? about. Well, I was like disappointed again yesterday. <laughs> so it was, just, it was just amazing. And then our friend Sarah Breeze sends me a text, a WhatsApp saying, have you seen this? With the link to the Guardian uh, thing of me, like, celebrating behind the goal. Oh, yeah, minute by said, minute. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it was on their Twitter feed. So I said, how would you get that? I don't, I don't know if she works for one of the press agencies. No, we've done a bit of work for them. I don't know whether she works for The Guardian. She said, I'll see if I can get you the high-res one, but don't share it. Yeah, yeah. So she's got me the high-res version of that. Lovely. Which <laughs> looks like a Caravaggio painting. So when, yeah, when yeah. I move house, I'm going to get that blown up. Oh, oh brilliant. brilliant. It looks... Like, because what you, actually, I didn't want to put Ben and his mate on the no no on, on Twitter, but when he spread out, there's there's that bit of a gap where he's got a, out of his seat to stand by the crash barrier, so Ben and Alex are screaming. Yeah, oh, amazing! I'm going nuts. Yeah, yeah. Dan's screaming at me. <gasps> Everyone around the place is going is losing their shit, and you just see the ball there and going to the net. <laughs> it's, a, it's also a wicked picture. So yeah, mate, I it was. You know I, I've talked long and lengthy about. Um, Rugby, and it's, but it was not really time to talk about rugby. This it was it was about celebrating a football team, but just everything about it was so right, mate. When I mean, after the game, mm. for the team to stick around that long, come yeah, around, all yeah. the fans to sing with David Yuan, I was crying before the game with David Yuan started singing. Yeah, but imagine so What it he feels is. like, imagine what it yeah. feels like doing this. And he was crying, I'm crying, everyone's fucking crying. He was yeah. crying. He
0: was in floods of tears, David Yuen And if it could have been any bat.
3: other team, the only bat, the only downside yeah. of it, yeah, is I I it totally because totally in the corner, then. Where the away fans were, and they were they were bouncing all game. They didn't they stop. They were they were good guys, and there was that gap between the stand and um, and the away the away area, where the, where the stewards were. But at the end of the game, I took a few photographs. And it was in it was in not my photographs, but there's photographs of it online. Was the Welsh fans leaning over to shake hands with all the Ukrainian yeah, yeah, fans yeah. and swapping shirts? I thought, Fuck yeah, there's shirts like, and flags. I, I saw lots of Welsh guys with Ukrainian flags on the way home, and on the way back. Ukrainian lads waiting and girls waiting for the buses and whilst people just hugging them, you know, I'm, I'm patting them on the back, shaking hands. Yeah, so I don't, um, it was an incredible day, mate. But I, and I'm I'm a casual fan compared to you two, but especially you, Al, buddy, home and away for, for God knows how long. I said, to, when I came in, I said to Cal, I cannot imagine what Alice is feeling right now. <laughs>
0: My friend, I cried during W1 and then I cried during the anthem. Nice and I cried after the goal. Lovely. And then when the final whistle went, I, I, I hugged him. Right now, I've watched Hugh. I've watched football with Hugh since March nineteen ninety three. So all the Wales games Fairly. I've always gone to have been with him. You know, for thirty years that is almost. And who is a he's he's like quite a classic sort of West Welshian sort of keeps his not cards quite close not to a, his chest. Not a hugger. Yes. No. Yeah. Happily, <laughs> happily <laughs> kill a sheep. We yeah. Oh yeah. We were hugging and crying after about two minutes. We stopped. Like it was a and he said, Hell, I don't think I've ever heard my dad like that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I think there's something other, there's something else going on now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard my dad like that either. It was, it was hilarious. hilarious. It, it was so funny.
3: You can't destroy the atmosphere in there I've never I've never experienced anything like it in a sport event well any, anywhere really I found it so tense
0: I didn't oh
2: find the game God. itself was horrendous like compared to the atmosphere in the the Austria game because it was dark and it was you know it was later in the day that felt
3: more fun for some reason
2: in yeah my head. I thought there
0: was more singing at the Austria game because there, it was less tense well, the yeah, second everyone was just the breaking second
3: half so the first half was great because you could watch, I mean, we on that, on, down the left wing, we opened them up first half. It was incredible, mm. the, you know, the speed of it. And they looked like you can't really tell what's happened on the far end, but I think we were fairly evenly matched in the first half when we got the goal. Bloody hell. And the referee gave us bugger all, to be fair, right? Yeah. Second half, I said to Dan, we're in the concourse having a coke half time. I said, this is going to be a play long 45 minutes now because we're going to be behind Hennessy. And I'm, you know, I'm 15 feet behind Hennessy for the next 45 minutes. It's like the longest 45 minutes of my life. Those goal lines, the one dive to the left with the left hand yeah, and save, yeah. and then there's a goal line. Oh, oh, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, I thought, I couldn't sing. I couldn't jump up and down. I couldn't make a noise. Yeah, I was just thinking, fucking blow the whistle, for Christ's sake. I just wanted it to be over.
0: It was It was also that feeling of, having been to a, a few of these games, I was at Romania in 93, I was at... Russia in 2003 and um, the playoff final, and then Ireland in 2017. There's that feeling that's the only feeling I've ever had at these games of watching it slip away. Yeah. And the players who worked so hard to be there, not being able to quite do enough and fall into the final hurdle. And it wasn't that. And Ben Davis, I mean, Hennessy had a fantastic game. Ben Davis was absolutely well, they had no colossal. In at all. Yeah. I, I was talking to Hugh Davis, who writes for Four Four Two. We were talking about sort of, if you were to choose your greatest ten Welsh players ever. Yeah. And in the <laughs> same. Why wouldn't you choose the eleven? <laughs> no, but like he was, he was writing a piece. I other. think, I think he was, he was writing a piece, sort of like the <laughs> no, ten greatest, yeah, most yeah. important players yeah, ever. Sure. But it's like. I've been the rules for once. But like with with Ben. <laughs> Like all like all small countries, we have teams. have fourteen 14th favourite rugby players. <laughs> was he giving out women's contracts at the WRU? <laughs> but like all teams have um all smaller countries have players who play out of their skins at international level and sort of belie their club careers. Yes. And I think I would probably if you were choosing a sort of a, a you know, your ten the ten most important Welsh footballers of all time, I'd probably put Ben in ahead of Rankicks.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. Play. But you yeah. see,
0: because that that it certainly means more to him. But also that block against Slovakia. Yes, if he doesn't the, do that, is, is the defining run. moment of yeah. the tournament, and his performance against Ukraine is probably the most one of the most defining performances in the history. of Welsh football, he's amazing. And he, he's always brilliant for Wales. And you sort of think now, if you're if you're uh, not Welsh, or even if you're a Welsh football fan who's not particularly interested in the national team, if you compare their club careers. It looks like you're being willfully contrary. But actually, he is incredible and always has been for. But
3: someone like Ben, mate, and I don't know enough about it to be an authority on it, but uh, when they level those sort of criticisms, why, why didn't you laugh know for your club? Well, fucking pick me then. Start me all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, Conte loves him. So since Conte yeah, took over at Tottenham, mm. he's played, I think it's like 33 out of 34 games, but Mourinho yeah. didn't rate him at all.
3: Uh, no, I've never played. No. Well, we'll talk about it later, but I mean. It was weird. I mean, where the seat was was completely random. It was from Dan's son's football team. Who had tickets. Yeah. So it just happened to be right beyond the goal. And then, and then Cal was like, Did you, "You must have got drenched, didn't you?" I said, "Honestly, now, I was bone dry. If I put my arm out in front of me, my hand would be wet." Yeah. I was I was two feet away from being drenched for ninety minutes. So I was dry. I was right beyond the goal. It was just incredible it was funny kind of seeing it where I were you Steph well I was I was sort of over as you were
2: standing further over to your left basically okay. same stand but a little bit further over to the left and I was you know in my own mind I was thinking yeah we're gonna lose it's fine I, you know, I've done this before I okay. can deal with this this is okay yeah but yeah. I bumped into L for about three minutes at the pub on the way through and I think the difference between our sort of thought process of my kids and their mates was hilarious yeah, they were all just like, yeah,
0: we'll win 2-0. I know, it's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's, like, like, you hear Ruben, it's easy. like you hear Ruben Colwell talk about Euro 2016, which to me yeah. feels like yesterday. Yeah. And what is it? Is he 20, Ruben? I think he, well, he might not even be. But I don't think he that. is 20, actually. Yeah. I'm going to Google this. But for him, Euro 2016, six years ago, he's just turned 20. He was okay. 14. Yeah. I mean- <laughs> yeah. That's insane, <laughs> well, isn't it? He doesn't. He does, So he remembers probably the qualification campaign, which we and we call it the success. He remembers the successful qualification campaign and they get into the semi-finals. They haven't got well, any ben, of that. Package. Ben's earliest memory
3: of football is beating Belgium. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, it's so funny, isn't I mean, it? That's
2: that's all you need in life, isn't it? You know. So the the confidence from my lot was hilarious. Algarve, yeah, formal yeah. word. You, yeah, stood, yeah. you stood outside the pub, just staring into the distance while your mates went off and got some
0: Thunderbird. I really. I, yeah. <laughs> I uh, The boys I was with, as we walked to the ground, they went to buy a bottle of vodka and some Red Bull and some plastic cups. And I bumped into a, he was a lovely bloke, he was from Amber Day, I listened to the podcast actually. And he said, oh hi, El. how are you feeling about the game? And then my mates came out with their vodka and their, and their Red Bull and their plastic cups. And I said, look at them, I'm with them, they're in their 40s. And he went... <laughs> i fucking love to be like that when I'm in my forties. <laughs> <laughs> he that said, one. that's my dream, that is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, after the game then, kind of went, like you said, he was peeing it down, so it went down to the front of the family stand, bumped into um, Kian from the Super Furries.
4: Oh. And oh,
2: yeah. His boy plays with one of my boys, so kind of rough. Two. We were just have a little chat. The Wales players all come over to where we are, and then rings around the world comes on the tannoy. Oh. and I was like, "Mate, this must be the fucking best moment ever." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, "Yes, this is cool." How does that feel? <laughs> and that's what I said. that, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I, I, I saw Mark from Catatonia, <laughs> like uh, on his bike. I think the day before the game, just yeah. riding through town. Just going go around then they, Canton. Then they played uh, at The final whistle as well. I thought he's a massive. I saw player. him I thought,
3: three years before I knew who he was. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> hilarious. <laughs> Every day, they'd chat to we were both had yeah. camper vans. We both, you know, kids were in the same school. we chat about, you know, VWs and stuff and, and then, you know, <laughs> music and who we liked and whatever. Yeah. And then I, I think I mentioned before, I, I came on one day and, and um, I think I was reading an old music magazine. Which I said, Oh, fuck, oh, no, that's Mark. That's Mark from <laughs> on the corner. <laughs> Kenny went, What, from cat to me <laughs> I said, That's yes. him, yeah. <laughs> I, said, I said, He did say play the guitar, I would think of it. <laughs>
2: I've given him a lot of my thoughts on music over the past couple of years. If yeah, <laughs> you like, Mark, I
3: could show you a few chords if you
2: want.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's a lovely bloke, a nice guy. Oh, he dropped drop round CDs for me and stuff, and just he wouldn't even just pop me in the letterbox, and then he, you know. Yeah. Borderline oh, I'm, so I'm professional
2: too. five-a-side player.
3: Yeah, oh, he yeah. Loves it, loves it. He loves it. Well, oh, he's fit looking. Yeah. So everyone, everyone. This is the thing because of righteous pints and sports bars and and Salford and everything else. People, I think everyone thought we were going to get slaughtered after that game. Yeah, yeah. So that I, I was like, life. Have, Would you like to have your headaches tomorrow, Lance? So I was like, I've yeah. had one glass of Merlot. I, I had half a, pint Sunday, a shandy. I came on to a Sunday dinner. Yeah, oh, which Kelly kind of put in the oven for me. Lush. A glass of Merlot. Yeah. And then I think I sat down and watched uh, The Chase with, <laughs> with my mother in law.
0: I had to drive back to London because Betty had school the next day. Because Izzy'd. <laughs> At had done gigs in Hay. Yeah. So Mama looked after them. She didn't sleep in the car, so we didn't get back till about one. And we stopped at Heston Services at midnight. She said, what's the time down? I said, um, midnight. She went, the middle of the night? <laughs> yep. I said, yes. You being awake was not part of the plan. I thought you'd yeah. fall asleep like all children do when they're yeah. driving at uh, 11 in the morning, 11 at night. Also, I mean, when, when, when your country isn't qualified... I mean, if we take, say, the gap between 58 and 2016, I mean, 2016 was hugely significant, but obviously that was a European and so then do, to do two of them on the trot. Yeah. Page now is the only Welshman in history to take his side to two different, you know, major tournaments. Curiously, I think well, Jimmy Murphy, the other manager, hmm. uh, the manager at the 58 World Cup, he was from Lloyna Pia, I think. And pages from Tylerstown, yeah. they're like two and a half miles apart. On Google Maps, there is a six-minute drive. Mm. You know, so support both, both of our best managers on on Coldman, of course, as well. are From you know, it's walking distance.
3: Well, we got a great. We'll talk about it. We got a great clip of, of him later on.
0: But um, but I can just
3: apologise by the way, because next door neighbours haven't worked them, so we do hear drills. Facially, no.
0: angle grind. <laughs> He's having a Brazilian <laughs> butt lift. <You're> <laughs> <in there. laughs>
2: Yeah, Vic's going to look stuff. really different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you do just think about all the people who would have loved to have been there, who are no longer with us and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff.
3: 100%, and... yeah. Well, it's nice because you were down as well, so I get I got a chance to uh, pop in and see you at your sister's. And
0: yeah, yeah. No, it was you gonna
3: throw a ball on the bell at the back garden for a bit. He's got good
0: hands on him, is not he? Yeah, of course he has, mate. <laughs> of course he Trained has two legs, isn't it? It? <laughs> <laughs> Trained by the best.
3: Yeah, it was nice. And funny, Hey On Why, oh here we go, so Iz was doing Hey On Why, I went up there with, um, if you don't know what Hey On Why is, it's the world's, one of the world's biggest literature and book festivals, brilliant. So I went to go and see Jay Blades from uh, uh, The Repair Shop, Well, the kids went to go and see Liz Pichon, one of their favourite kids' authors. Long story short, so we went to see different shows, met up afterwards, very nice. Hey On Why is always lovely, we went to the castle grounds and had had a cup of coffee and some pizza. Went to a stationery shop. Now, this is being, being working-class Welsh, right? This is... <laughs> Kel said, make sure you tell the boys this next to me record, see what they think of it, right? I got a little stationery shop in hay on and there's lots of them there, obviously. Book shops and stationery shops, so well went in there. Very nice, very friendly. I think... I like writing with a pencil. Yeah. I'm doing scripts and stuff now, so, you know, hopefully to do more bits on TV at some point. Right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. That dream of becoming a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go in there. I've always wanted... What do you know do? School, I, I write
0: bits,
2: bits.
3: You know the school pencil sharpeners with the windy handle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want one of those, right? Because I always lose a little of plastic. 100%. Ones. Love it. Go in there. There's one I can see in the window. Not quite like the school ones, but the same sort of thing. Right? I said, oh, hi there. She said, I don't know. Oh, I said, have you got any of those um, pencil sharpeners with the handle? She said, I've got one more in stock. I said, I've got the last one. I said, oh, brilliant. Okay. So she... um. It was that one. She said she, she, she's gonna get the box for it. She takes it out of the window display. I thought, oh lovely, thank you. Kels outside away for me with the kids. I thought I haven't asked how much it is, there's no price on it. I said, oh, how much is it, by the way? How much do you think it is? Um I would I would pay. Right. I would pay
2: fifteen to maybe twenty-five pounds. Mm-hmm. But I think that's silly. Reasonable. Yeah. Describe it again. I think I think I still think that's really high
3: end. It's a metal. Pencil sharpener, but the one you put the pencil in the side. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. A ratchet that sort of pulls it back into. And it would attach
2: to the side of your desk. I would. I would and think. you can, yeah, you can, you can like screw a it onto your desk. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I would say five pound is what it should cost. Eight quid. But I'm thinking maybe. ten to fifteen. <laughs> Go on. The, the fact that so, you I'm haven't say got nice. this is
3: sixty well, no, quid. This is the problem of being working class Welsh, right? Yes. And having a chip on your shoulder and always having. Uh, a little bit of imposter syndrome does it have right? like a
0: wooden handle and is it does it look this classic? one's metal
3: right okay. it's metal but yeah it looks like nice. with well, a little drawer that pulls out with the shavings in it yeah so yeah yeah. I've had imposter syndrome since the day I started doing anything in front of people since you started doing bits well yeah since I started doing bits always <laughs> yeah. and I always will have, even when I do longer bits yeah I, you know yeah. a series of bits oh, I always think those bits are going to end the next day anyway yeah yeah, yeah. And I'll be go back to so my proper job. <laughs> I'll go back to my proper job of working at B and Q, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right. I said, "Oh, how much is it, by the way?" And Kelly's in the doorway. She went, "Oh, it's 175." <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 and at no point before she's right. boxed it up has she gone. I said, "175 pounds for a pencil sharpener," right?
3: I went, <laughs> 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 and she said to me. Is that okay? I went, <laughs> no. yeah, that's fine. What? Because I didn't want her thinking, even Can't though it's, it. it's, it's fucking ridiculous to pay that much for a pencil. Oh, stuff, you're insane. I am insane.
2: You got embarrassed to the point where you bought it.
3: I got embarrassed. <laughs> I didn't want her thinking, there's some fucking oik from Barry yes. rocking up at a literature festival, you know, who's, he's going to think this is an insane amount of money to pay I for a pencil, which same. it fucking is. So rather than look like I couldn't afford it, and it's, it's a fucking idiotic thing to do. Oh, that's amazing. I is just it, said, is, yeah.
0: it, is it a good shop? No. I hope it I doesn't. Said, work. Don't it I really hope it's
3: shop. shit. I said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah? That's fucking fine, mate. Fine. Have you got two?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen to this. So I thought, okay, I've done my. How much are your rubbers?
2: <laughs>
3: well, listen. An artist and said, rubber. A, have you got a packet of just the black and yellow box standard pencils, the ones I like? Right? HB? Oh, yeah. the Staedtler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, black, black and yellow Staedtlers, right? Little pack five of those. We don't do those in the packs of the five. We only do them singles. I said, okay. They're 80 pence each, right? Okay. I said, I'll, just, I'll, I'll take two of the pencils as well, please. At no point did she think, you're spending £175 on a pencil sharpener. No, no, no. I'll throw in the two pencils for free. <laughs> nope. Nope, no, no. She fucking charged. Cha- so, Good. It was actually, so it was £176.60 was my actual bill. Do you want me to take it back for you? Is that what this about? I'll, 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 I'll drive <laughs> there. I'm happy
2: to drive there and take it back for you because that give you sounds four, insane. I'll give you 40 quid for the
0: petrol. <laughs> you should have you got Kelly to take it back. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Oh, and you should have put yeah. Kelly to put on a posh voice. Hello. Yeah, my, has, my husband has brought us brought
3: us. I'd already bought him one yesterday. It was going to be a yeah. surprise for him. Yeah. <laughs> we already have eight. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a problem. But I would, I would... Do you know that bit in Extras... When Andy, when she's looking at the dress, and Andy goes, "How much is it?" and he goes, "She's like, it's like it's a four thousand pound dress, or something." He went, mm-hmm. And, and he's going to it. You want this one? Yes, please. Think about how much. Think about what I'm saying. It's four thousand pounds. Do you want this dress? Yes, please. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. Do you want me to buy this dress for you for four thousand pounds? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, "You can't even afford." He said, "I can afford. It. I can afford it." I, it was like. At no point does it make any sense paying £175 a pencil sharpener. No. Which I'm sure, but again, weirdly, this pencil sharpener will be around for 100 years, where I would, 175 quid is two nights on a piss, right? But it's, it's, it's objectively
0: ridiculous. But also, yes, weirdly, not everyone can be buying £175 pencil sharpeners out of embarrassment. So a large proportion of people must be like, oh, need a new pencil sharpener.
3: Yeah, they must do. I, I, bet went I'll then, get a good I went lunch. online to see if I was getting ripped off.
0: Yeah, I mean, you so are. They're a little small stationery. it's a pencil sharpener, but
3: go yeah. on. I am getting ripped off, yeah, but that is, that is the online price as well. Is that the going price can. for them?
0: It is also a horrible feeling taking a fancy to something in a shop and the price tag isn't on it. And then you oh. take, take it out to the counter and say, how much is that? And they go, it's £900. You just feel like such a tit. Well, thank you. Bye. Bye now.
3: Mine. I was thinking, very worst case scenario, this is going to be 40 quid. And yeah. I'm going to feel like a right prick, but I'm going to say yes. So when she said that, it was all I could do not to fucking <laughs> tell her to <the> fuck off.
0: <laughs> fuck off. Stick your pencil <laughs> in the shop, fucking arse. Just Walk out of the shop.
3: Get hell to take you back. Or Steph good. What's the, what's, back.
0: what's the second and uh, shop in the market like?
3: Oh, nice.
0: Don't know. Buy them all up and sell Well, do you know what? You know the spirits of fifty-eight bucket hats? Yes. That mm-hmm. everyone wears at Welsh football matches. Yes. yes. The original ones. Um, which were first sold about 10 years ago. No, not, what years? in it Yeah, 10 or 11 years ago. The original ones are going for 200 quid on eBay. now. Are they? are they? Yeah. I had one of those original ones. I, and know, I lost, bay lost bay it either. in like, Cyprus, I think.
2: Lots of people got in touch with us about making bucket hats. That's great. And idea. I thought, great idea, because I like money. And I'm going to charge £175. Yeah. For and my, <laughs> my, 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 oh, Mike's, Mike's got a pencil sharpener. <laughs> Mike's gave, Mike got a teeth. pencil sharpener habit <laughs> that we need to fund. But then I got I bumped into some guys uh, after the game who had uh, 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 rainbow ones on, so they had rainbow. uh, I got chatting to them about
3: bungle all of them on there.
2: (laughs) I got chatting to them about what that was about, and they're part of the rainbow wall. Oh yeah, so the LGBTQ plus supporters, and I was like, have you got loads of those hats left? And they said, no, but we're putting in another order for them. So I thought rather than, because, you yeah, know, we've qualified for Qatar and that feels brilliant. I want to go to Qatar because they don't like things I like. They yeah, don't like yeah. being people. free and just <laughs> Fun and doing what you want to do. So I... Great place for a to, festival of football. Really good place. Do you like a laugh? Not really. <laughs> do you like people expressing themselves freely? Not
3: really. Let's do it there. That'd be great. Yeah. The morons I had a blog, by the way, just before we get to that stuff, while I'm thinking about it, who were having a go with me for celebrating Wales scoring a goal and going to the first World Cup since 1958, that I somehow back fucking uh, an oppressive regime in Qatar. Yeah. Like, fuck off, mate, will you?
2: Yeah. You can, you can enjoy something happening yeah. and... For not one second do I think any of those players shouldn't go. That's entirely people's own choices. Do what the hell you like in life. And same with fans, if fans want to go there. Same with people working in the media, if they want to go there. I'm not criticising any of my mates here, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's not for me, and I think that it would be quite cool. So I've got the details from these guys at the Rainbow Wall. So on the episode description, I'm going to put up how you can order one of these hats. And if you, you know, if you just wear them around, cool. I think they get them in stock in August. If you wear them to the Nations League games, you don't have to be Welsh. They're they're really nice hats. They're really cool. If you go into Qatar, take one with you. That'd be oh, yeah. that
3: would be flipping hilarious. Do they um come in big head sizes? They got big head size and small head size. I've got a because I, I've got a right. If there's only two melon sizes, head size and mango want, head if there's size. There's only two sizes. They the big one won't fit me. Okay, so I know that for a fact. But buy one, give it to your kids. Yeah. Okay. My, my kids got big heads too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stick it on your wall. <laughs> I just thought it'd be a nicer thing to do rather than, I like money and I didn't realise you'd spent
3: £175 on a pencil sharpener, otherwise I might Ooh, change well, my never, mind. Well, it'll never happen again. No. The good thing
0: about it is... That's it, the right last right? £175 pound pencil sharpener <laughs> I ever buy. You mark my words. You mark my words. With is. a very sharp and but pencil. But what i you going to
3: do with it, mate... Sharpen like the about, fuck out of some pencils. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually when I when we move house, I'm gonna yeah. screw it to the desk. I'm not gonna clamp it. It's gonna get screwed properly yeah. to the desk. Yeah, I, you know, so
0: I'll never lose that. Yeah, and you'll have like the sharpest I, I mean, pencils in Bali. Oh.
3: Oh. Well, I've been the last uh, probably two weeks with my with my graph paper out. I've been sketching little ideas for the for the house, all using my Stadler pencils, and they're razor sharp. I can tell you that for nothing. I mean, I can do tiny little numbers on there.
2: Sketching out
3: ideas from
0: the house. I have been. This is the helipad.
3: <laughs> well no, because I quite I think I would have quite liked if I wasn't going to be a carpenter,
0: quality like beer, do a bit do a
3: little bit of architecture as well. <laughs> Just bits though. Bits. Just I don't want to get, well, get well known for it. I don't want to get trained for it. I'll show you the plans. They're good. That'd be that'd be great. <laughs> all so on there, the Sunken Lounge, which, yeah. by the way, I mentioned to Izzy, she was loving the idea, loving the look.
0: This is the uh, underground lair sure where them? I'll trap my enemies. <laughs> this is the shark tank.
3: I did think about having a, a... Shark tank? A fish tank in between, as a room divider. Oh, fucking Quite hell. Quite nice. Really? Yeah,
2: like a 1980s Chinese restaurant, yeah, and then you forget to feed them exactly. What you
0: actually have as a room divider is a sort of fish graveyard (laughs) for a dead fish and watery death zone, brown water, and dead fish.
3: (laughs) What's that? I keep forgetting to feed (sighs) you. Climb in the wall divider bed and clean it out, please. No, not nothing, no, no underground layers or anything, just a nice, just. Sketching ideas of you know where extensions could go, what could happen, all in my little tiny little numbers with my very very sharp pencils. Good though, mate. If you if you, have, you know if you've got a blunt pencil and you want to sharpen, how many <laughs> how many pencils? Right, I bet you in my life I spent more than 175 five pound on pencil sharpeners. Bollocks! In my life, in oh, my no, life, no, bollocks. They're two pounds each.
0: Yeah, and I've probably owned three in my life. I was going to no. say I don't,
3: I don't think I've owned more than. two. But I'm an artist. I'm a drawer. Well,
2: oh, you're an artist. I forgot. Is that part of the insurance as well?
3: Is that better than doing bits? <laughs> I whatever I whatever it costs the least to insure, <laughs> yeah. So you you reckon
0: you? I'm bought an, an
3: agrophobic elf.
0: You know this. <laughs> you reckon you've bought about ninety pencil sharpeners in, your in my life.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm fifty.
3: That's two a year.
2: Yes, which is fucking insane. I, yeah. I haven't <laughs> bought
3: a pencil sharpener since my GCSEs, probably. I know pre, pre that. Yeah, but when do you use pencils? Never. Well, there we go then. You've answered your own question. You? Why would you bother I have my own question. You fucking knob. Of course you haven't. Of course you haven't had to sharpen it. <laughs> oh, you're not well, going to sharpen a fucking pen with it, are you? You're a
2: fucking 50-year-old man. <laughs> what are you sharpening pencils for?
3: <laughs> your job <laughs> doesn't involve pencils. <laughs> to pencil. keep my pencil sharp. sharpened on his crayons. Nothing Nothing. nothing <laughs> I write. I write involve... all my scripts in pencil. Why? Because I want to do bigger bits. Why don't you write it in pen?
2: It would be fucking I permanent. Don't... <laughs> Yeah, but pencils you are would be permanent. on stage looking at it going, that's faded, <laughs> fucking hell. What's that? Say? No,
3: because when I, I then transcribe it, I use pen, but when I'm sketching out ideas, it's always a pencil. use a fucking computer,
2: it's twenty twenty-two. No,
3: it's too slow on a computer, I
0: can't type fast enough. I've definitely spent 175 quid on pens. Oh, there we are then, there we go. Although in the last seven or eight years, it's all completely
3: transferred to computer. dinner. I don't write anything on a computer, I fucking hate it. When I'm doing scripts, I have to say, I write it all out longhand,
0: Hmm. Like Roald Dahl.
3: And, then, and Yeah exactly like Roald Dahl And then i tape type it out afterwards In fact I to trying to get that yellow paper that Roald Dahl used to use It's only 400 quid a pad from the fucking place <laughs> up in a y <laughs> <laughs> Fucking robbing bastards No wonder you live in a fucking hut I'll be living in a boat hut as well at this rate Spending hundred and seventy-five quid in a fucking pencil shop Where's Mikey sold the house? Keep it in pencils No but I can't, I can't stand anything Creative on a typewriter, on a, on a not typewriter, <laughs> what do you call it? Compute. <laughs> I'm a slow typer. My dissertation was all handwritten, I I gave it to my dad's secretary and she typed it up for me.
0: 10,000 words. You're still a slow typer.
3: I hate to, like, if, if I'm, when we're doing stuff online, when we have, we have Zoom chats or script meetings, and my mate Paul there is, is look, sharing the document, as we're talking like this, he's doing. I was like, holy shit. You know, it would take me minutes to do that. I don't. I don't type anything out that I need to think of quick. Uh, on my phone, I've got an old uh, dictaphone app thing. Mm. I press that, put my notes, in, you know, speak my notes into that, and I write cartridge. them up. Sack <laughs> <Yeah. Zach> Lynn. <laughs>
0: having fun that excludes an employer. <laughs> but I love the feel of a pencil.
1: You <laughs> 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 fucking
2: this is a paid advert from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, we all carry around lots of different sort of stress moments, whether it's like big or small. It could be as huge as, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Or, you know, I'm, I'm ill, but I don't really want to talk to anybody about that because I don't want to make them feel stressed about it as well. Or, you know, it could be just something as small as, how am I going to get to school pickup in time? I've got a meeting. How do I change that? How do I move that? I forgot to cancel that. And lots of the time we keep it bottled up. And Whether it's big or small, it can really start to affect us negatively. And therapy is kind of a safe space to get those things off your chest. So whether it's like coming up with plans to to organise your life a little bit better or whether it's just having someone to talk to about those things you don't
0: want to stress out your
2: mates or your family
0: with. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable and entirely online. You will be matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time.
2: Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash distant. That's betterhelp, hel pcom slash distant. Right, first round of clips. Ellis, I think as we kind of half-referenced
0: this one already, let's go with this. This is an interview where you get to know a little bit more about Rob Page, um, this was done for the
4: uh, FAW's social media feed. There's a mountain, a groye, and uh, we call it the groye. And and that was our playground: tree swings, um, climbing trees, falling off them, um, riding your bikes. That was it. He, we didn't have computer games. We didn't have Xbox, Playstations, mobile phones. We were out, you know, playing kick a can, um, making games up on the streets. And then your mother would call you in at nine o'clock. For your supper, um, you'd go in starving, hungry, have your supper and off to bed, ready for school in the morning. So, yeah, great childhood. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but um, great, great memories. Growing up in Tylerstown, we were all affected by the last pit, the last pit closure in Mardi. Um, and that had an impact on the community because up there there was no other industry other than other than mining, as you can imagine. So, you know, it had a massive impact on the community in Mardi, Ferndale, Tylerstown. You know, so we all had to stick together. You know, there was the, the food banks and the welfare halls and, you know, everybody had to rally around each other. And I think that brought the best out in the community. So to be a part of that, yeah, I was really proud. That community spirit, I think I see that in, in aspects of the changing room with us that we've got here. You know, my mother would, the front door would be left open. You don't see much of that today. The front door would be left open and my mum's friends would be, you know, just shouting, you who, as they come through the door. And, sit and have a cup of tea in the cellar in the kitchen with them. Uh, and they put the world to right for a couple of hours. And yeah, it, just, it was just such a friendly community and a, and a great a great community to be brought up in.
0: So there we go. Rob Page from Tyler's Town in the Rhondda. Uh, as I said a minute ago, the first Welshman to take uh, the men's team to two international tournaments because he was manager uh, of Wales at Euro 2020 and now will be taking us to the Qatar World Cup in 2022. He had 41 caps to for his country. He one of those players, certainly the home games. I probably saw every home game he ever played for Wales. And I really liked him. I thought he was a good player. Decent club career. As his father puts it, I think he's really, really grown into the role of Welsh manager. And this is a lovely clip, really, because he's from Tylerstown in Thronva. And he was born in 1974. So he'll have quite vivid memories of the minor strike, I would imagine. Uh, well, he, he, I know he does because he, he he talks about them and he says how he remembers the last pit in the area closing down and how it affected the community and uh, the local economy. He also talks about what it was like growing up playing football in the street and there were no mobile phones, no computer games, so it was climbing trees and all that kind of stuff. He, make, he makes he it sound completely idyllic. He says, you know, we didn't have much money, but we did. You know, I had loads of friends and we just mucked about and then our mums would call us in. that, nine o'clock we'd have something to eat and then we'd go to bed ready for school in the morning and his father's from the area says you know it was a fabulous place it was a fabulous community and it was a fabulous place to grow up and you still see bits of that community you know not quite as much as you used to but certainly when rob was young in the 70s and 80s no one locked their doors and you know you would just let yourself into other people's houses you who and you know and uh, <laughs> you know, you could have a coffee with next nexo neighbor and all that kind of mm. stuff and especially, I suppose, in the wake of the miners' strike when you did need to pool resources and you did need to share things mm. um, because the whole area was depressed. He talks about teamwork and he talks about what it means. And he says, you know, and I see in this team, this group of players, this squad of players, I see that they have values that I had when I was growing up. Obviously, I mean, you know, Reuben Colwell, as I said, he's, he was born in the year 2000. I mean, the the Ronda of the 70s and 80s, would mean very little to him. Same with Nico Williams. What is Nico? Nico's 20, I think. You know, yeah. these are these are young kids. But I think when you see the way they play for each other, I think there is that enormous spirit of selflessness and team spirit, which is so important, I think, especially, as Ben Davis said, when we don't have world-class players in, in every position. We have... So you need to make the most of what you've got. Yeah. And with Rob, I think I remember him as being quite a no-nonsense center half yes just quite businesslike in the way he spoke hmm. the more you see him and also I think I've got to give a shout out to the FAW I is it tiny media who do all the FAWs Tiny Welsh media Tiny Welsh media who do great stuff they do really really good stuff Their, the FAw social media channel stuff is amazing So there was have you seen the video of the players celebrating on the pitch after they'd qualified. Because yeah, obviously yeah. that that you wouldn't have got that if there'd been a pitch invasion. But what what they did have, they had a very in in to an unintrusive camera recording the players and their reactions. You can actually hear what they're saying. I mean, Ben Davis just he just keeps shaking his head in disbelief. It's really it's it's a really really great video which you wouldn't have got if there'd been a pitch invasion, which I actually thought would happen when we qualified, but obviously it didn't. But it's just nice to see uh, a background to the man. And he just had such a Welsh brilliant. clearly.
3: Well, do you know what? It, it sounds like if you're, if you're not from the area, you're not okay with it, you can listen to this and think it's a bit of a, an exaggeration. or bit. But, but, so I'm almost the same age as Rob. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couple of years older than him. So 72 I was born. Mum was a Merthyr girl. All my family, from that side of the... My mum's side of the family lived in Merthyr and Abba and Merthyr Tidville. So for me, I spent every weekend, every Sunday my nan's house i spent every almost every half term we never went on holiday when i was a kid because it was the 80s and we were skinned so i think we went i think we went to blackpool one year for a couple of days maybe we went to spain for a week when i was about nine but apart from that we never went away so our holidays as, a, as with my, me and my sister would be to go to my nan's house in murtha so and all these things that rob's talking about we'd go out walk along the old canal path you go up the mountain you'd go and um I remember going down to the colliery with my granddad and, and working the the, the the pit machinery because he knew everyone down there and go to the signal box. And I'd work the signal boxes on the train track because he knew the people who worked there. But that that community thing is it's 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 real. And when you're in when you're in the the Welsh valleys, especially, there's no front gardens. So Although, they were built to cram workers into as small a, a smaller space as possible, all those front doors open onto the pavement. Straight up yeah. pavement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. You would just walk next door and walk into the next house. My nan's door. And it's, it's, it sounds like a cliche, but it's just true that my my auntie Arlene would walk in all the time. Auntie Doy would walk in all the time. Auntie Ginny would walk in all the time. Auntie Glad lived next door. She'd walk in all the time. It was just... my Auntie Arlene, my granddad called her the midnight prowler because she would she have trouble sleeping. Yeah. So my granddad, we'd be watching the snooker at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. My nan and my sister would have gone upstairs to bed. I'll walk in like at 10 o'clock you know Hiya Stan hi right. 15, yeah yeah. yeah. it was just just, just the way that it was fred, and it, I love that yeah <laughs> that's good and when he says well, you left your doors open there was nothing to nick I don't know I don't know what you're going to steal you might, you might nick some you might have to steal some French fancies from the pantry I mean, there, was, <laughs> there was nothing there was one telly there was no video recorder my nan didn't have a fridge until I was about 50 she'd keep stuff on, on, the, on the stone in the pantry to keep it cool
0: yeah, yeah. So
3: that bit when there was the, the miners' strike, I remember being up there that summer. When I was 11, 12 years of age, and the where they used sort to of leave all the discarded, they called it the the slag, all the yeah. sort of uh, bits of coal they couldn't use, were dumped. Uh, not far from, I could see it from Nan and Graham's back garden down by the Taff. There was a huge big slag heap down there. Yeah. I remember watching families down there scurrying over the bloody slag heap, trying to find lumps of coal. To try and find a bit of coal they could burn because they, they didn't have any money for fuel. Yeah, I remember my my granddad going to see my auntie Doreen who lived uh, at a place called Nixonville, which is down right by the colliery. She's and she was a, a widow, lived on her own, skint. There was nothing around, so I remember making bloody sticks, but out of newspaper, twisting the newspaper to try and make it burn a bit slower. Okay, yeah. To get to get a fire lit. Yeah. So all these things, but like it's interesting what Rob said there. I, I never felt, and you never felt poorly off.
0: Yeah, my grandmother always used to say that. She said I never, never felt poor. No, not anything. It wasn't like because I never felt worse off than anyone I knew, and I didn't know anyone who was better off. So you yeah, just think but, that that's life, then.
3: And it'd be weird for you to come back to Barry, and think, you know, we didn't have a we didn't have a great deal in Barry in the eighties, but it, it it always felt I was always comparing what we had to what, you know in the holidays, what, what was in Merthyr? What was in my, nan and grand, you know, my granddad's house? And you look at the, when you look at the way a country votes, it's always weird. I think, well, what makes that constituency conservative? What makes that constituency Labour? You know, we're all the same people. We live in the same country. There's the same national level of taxes. It's not like the states where the states are all different. I suppose it's all to do with industry and income, isn't it? So where Rob's from and where my family are from, up in the valleys, they had bugger all. So everyone had yeah. bugger all. So they were they were Labour strongholds. And I think what, and I'm not going to get too political on this podcast before, right? But when you look at what happened, where they said about the Red Wall changed in, in England, and those people v- didn't vote Labour for the first time in their life, they voted Conservative.
0: The first time in a century, in yeah. some
3: cases, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get political on it. But if you can blame somebody that isn't the rich people for your lot in life, like there was never any doubt that when you live in Merthyr, the people that uh, ripped you off, People that made all the money off your backs, were the colliery owners back in the day, right? If you then turn around and say to somebody, you know, the problem, is, you know, the problem with this is, is, it's not the fact that people have made millions off your back in the coal industry. The real problem here is that couple down the street who just come here from the Czech Republic. I don't know how they pulled that fucking trick, but they did it, right? Yeah. Is is blaming other poor people for why why you're why you haven't got anything? It just yeah. seems daft to me, right? Anyway, that's my political rant over with. But for Rob to say that, it is different. It is it, it, in in this part of Wales. Not obviously, there's, there's shitloads of problems up in the valleys. There's big drug use. There's massive unemployment. You know, I'm not I'm not seeing it through rose coloured spectacles. But certainly, as a kid growing up, when I'm the same age as him, and he's the same, he's exactly the same age as my sister, I loved it up there in the summer holidays. Yeah, yeah. On Easter holidays, going on my nan's place, it always just felt like we could do stuff. We could go places. Every, it's a cliche, but everyone knows everybody. Yeah, my my dog, anyway, my granddad. His name was Stan Jones. Every single person, I'll be Stan, I'll be Stan, I'll be Stan, and he knew, and he, and he knew everybody. And yeah. my nan
0: was the Sunday school teacher, so she knew everybody. I still have gone to Tumble and Croissants for that reason. Yeah, it's found and ski knew absolutely everywhere. Yeah. and it was nice. It's um the other thing is, the extreme pride his father shows. Yeah, in his son's achievements. Oh I mean, it's bloody, bloody other... hell! His son's managing wizard at World Cup. That's and crazy, like, it? like, you know, you cannot get to that level without devoting your life to it. Yes. And you can't devote your life to it as a teenager or as a child without help, usually from parents. Yeah, and his father says, you know, I've driven him everywhere. Yeah, driven thousands of miles, driving him to football matches. But, but he we says, all says he and loved it. As well. and he said I loved it, that's and, the, said, that's, that's, and the that's the bit. Such a word so, phrase. He says yeah. that was my enjoyment. Yeah, because I but loved, that's... I love playing I love watching football, and I loved. When everyone
3: listened up. People talk about, oh, bloody school holidays, you know, or this, and you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this. Yeah. We might say it tongue-in-cheek now and again, right? But the only reason that you get involved with kids' sport and interests is because you enjoy it yourself and you love doing it. Yeah, and if, yeah. And, if, and if you don't love doing it, I don't know why you're having kids in the first place. It should never be a bind. Yeah. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass being stuck in traffic. <laughs> but I love going out and watch Eddie do dance yeah. or Yeah. Watch Ben play cricket or... Yeah.
0: My daughter has drum lessons every Saturday and I yeah. always stay in and watch. And That's she cool. improves a little bit every week. And it is an absolute joy to watch someone who's seven yeah. be a better drummer in June than she was at the start of May because yeah. she's had four lessons since then. Now she can drum Because of your aggressive pep talks in the car park before <laughs> she goes in there. But yeah, and but the way he said that was my enjoyment because as Rob puts it, there was no pitch in Tyler's tone. So their home games were in Mardi, which was 20 minutes away. And then obviously, because he was, he was playing for Wales as a teenager, so he would have been playing in North Wales, he'd been playing in Mid Wales, he'd been playing all over the place. Presumably games in England as well. Obviously, you need a lift. You can't drive yourself yeah. when you're 14. Yeah. And his father clearly was taking, he says in the video, he oh, "says I was, blow. I was taking time off work to do it. Well, he was you know, getting
2: I, back and forth to Watford as well, because he was with Watford yeah, from a really young age. yeah, yeah. So, you know, he'd have been driving him all the way up the M4 loads of the time.
0: And the thing with the Rhonda as well. hope his
3: dad's set now. I hope he's absolutely set.
0: Yeah. But the thing with the Rhonda as well, Cardiff to Watford is one thing. Yeah. You know, the tightest town.
2: That's an extra, you know, 45, 45 to an 45 hour. 45
0: minutes, yeah. What's sort of
3: born out of a shared poverty and, and a shared experience? I think that stays with you then. The way that you're grown, the way that you're brought up stays with you. So, obviously, Rob's now a wealthy bloke. Mm. There's players on that team that earn a million pounds a month. Yeah, right. which, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that stays with you. That that if you if you're brought up in that environment, you have those values. So when, and I'm not going to get involved in this debate either. When uh, Bale got his uh, his MB recently, right? Yeah, I wouldn't choose to take it. It's never going to get offered to me anyway. So I can say that, right? I don't know. But I, I well, can. Serves his the services, anyway services to bits. <laughs> But I completely respect his, his, his decision, of course, 100%. Yeah. Especially when you look at why he was given that, was because during the pandemic, lots of people talked about how hard it was. Bale gives half a million quid of his money yeah. to his local NHS trust, right? Yeah. People say, oh, it's nothing to him. Well, it is. Because his outgoings are it's not your still, But it's also still half a million pounds. It's also, exactly. It's not a
2: percentage-wise, he's not He's not going to miss it, is he? Not, no, but he oh. could still spend it himself. The
0: NHS <laughs> in Cardiff, they give half a million to the, yeah. the health services in Spain as well. So there we are. So
3: yeah, whatever else you want to say,
0: that million, a million that, pounds. that
3: million pounds, <laughs> he could have spent on himself. Yeah, but how much is he Mike? How much is he earning you? Fuck off. Those me up, honestly. <laughs> So you if know. you give 35
2: feet oh, well, something, brilliant. If he gives a million quid to something, brilliant. You yeah, can both yeah, yeah. spend it on a pencil sharpener. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just, you are what You can spend it on what you want to fucking spend it on. But
3: it, there was loads of parallels between this and the doc, which Steph's picked for later on, which I won't spoil it. Mm. But they seem like, because of that upbringing, they seem like a real family of players. And, the, and Yeah, the, yeah. And I think, and I'm not teaching the FAW that I do their bloody job, they would be mad to let Rob Page go now. Yes, yes. They, yeah, I, t- I, I think he's he's the man for the job. Players <laughs> love he,
0: him as well.
3: The players love him. The fans love him. I, I can't. He's certainly the best. And this is not to do down Coleman or Gary Spear or anybody. But I mean, think of what Rob's achieved now with that with that group of players. And some of those some some of those best players coming towards the end of their careers. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. I think oh. he's brilliant for the game. I think he's we've, brilliant. We've for the been team.
2: really lucky since you know since Tasha we spoke about a few weeks ago. And he gave a load of these players their caps. Uh, so you, then you had speed coming in, and obviously had you a know, great run, are not we? Great run of managers. Coleman after yeah, that. Yeah. Oshan Roberts sort of bridging Coleman's the gap and creating the system.
0: Was fantastically charismatic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah. when you yeah. watched, don't take me home. Mm. Coleman in a press conference once he'd found his feet and was confident and knew what he was. Just amazing. He was yeah. absolutely magnetic as a personality. And he was cool. He actually looked really cool as well. But all of those guys, Page
2: included, Speed, Coleman, would chat to you as people outside of that media environment.
0: Yeah, we've had him on Feast
2: of Football, Rob, and he's great. He's He's just a nice man. Like you say, a no-nonsense defender. Spent a bit of time with him when he was at Cardiff City, sort of towards the end of his career. You know, good bloke.
0: Same with Coleman, same with Speed. Good blokes. Also, with national teams, different to your club. Are meant to really tell the story of the nation, yeah. And so I never, I never had a problem with Ireland playing so many uh, players with the sort of grandparent rule, because that tells the story of Irish emigration over the last cool. hundred and fifty years. That's that's mm. that's Ireland's reality. We never had to do that to the same extent, because we sort of colonised ourselves. Is the you know is is the, the, the there's actually an academic paper. Entitled that in the fifties about how you you didn't have to leave because you could go from North Wales and West Wales to the valleys where Rob sure. grew up. Yeah. The thing with Rob because he grew up in the Ronda in the seventies and he remembers the miners' strike because as the as the manager, not as a player, it means that he's a very Welsh representative. If you know what I mean, he's sort of he t- he's able to tell our story. I always thought Coldman was like this as well, a little bit as well. And I, it's just you want the team and the management and the FAW, to reflect the nation. And I think Rob does a very, very good job of that. And you know what? If we decided to... If he decides to leave and go and take on a club and we decide to employ Louis van Gaal, then I'm sure that would work as well. Yeah. Um, not that the FAW would ever be able to afford it. But, you know, you that that happens sometimes. Like England, obviously, about Capello and about Sven and Ireland and Trapatoni. I'm not saying that you're managers always have to be from the country but because Rob is doing a very good job and happens to be from the Ronda, it's just an added bonus and an added benefit
3: Well, I think of as as a rugby fan you think of football fans in in, inverted commas right the way you brought up a certain way with things get reported I've I've been to see a few games recently and I want to see a Carter Swansea game as well uh, which you obviously enjoy more than I do now I think the fans I think the Welsh fans are just a brilliant bunch of fans Yeah yeah a fantastic bunch of, and you know, while I'm looking at, I saw the news yesterday, when Southgate's admitted now, I mean, I feel so sorry for him, that he, you know, fan reaction will have a sort of, it can't not influence his selection of players, and yeah. to, I think, fuck, what a thing to have to put up with, because you've got a fucking, and it's a small percentage, I know, right, because you've got some fucking arsehole England fans, that are racist fucking knuckle draggers, You've got to that's got to influence your selection. Who's going to take penalty shoot because of the shit that the three boys got in the, in the penalty shootout? I think fuck. Imagine that. Imagine being, you know. I'm I'm saying this as a as a as a white middle class bloke. I understand that, right? But there seems to be we there, there's that there's not that nastiness in in the Welsh fans. that no. you get in a lot of, of countries.
0: I think that's to do with uh, the difference between hope and expectation. You know, we do, we don't expect to win the World Cup. We don't expect to win the Euros. I think now, amazingly, I think we expect to qualify. But yeah. if we don't qualify, like we didn't qualify for 2018, we've done three of the last four. We didn't qualify for 2018, but you think, all right, fair enough. I mean, we're a small country, and we lost out to a better team. And I think it does change the atmosphere around a support, and obviously,
3: the expectation must be for Southgate. It must be a killer. I mean, the pressure must be immense. He, they, they'll, they'll be expected now. I'll tell you what... In the, in, They're in expected Qatar, to win the
0: World Cup. There yeah, will be absolutely. zero
3: pressure on us against England. None. Where England will have a stack of pressure. Hang on. There's someone banging the
2: door.
3: <laughs> oh, it's got us okay. Hang on.
2: Yeah. It's a really irate England fan. He's, he's quite inclusive in his thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we will have no pressure whatsoever in the England game. True. They'll but have a stack of pressure. But I think if that they... England pressure is built on... Success
2: as well. They got the final of the Euro, semi-finals yeah, of the semifinal World, Cup, World Cup, semi-finals of the Nations League.
3: They, they should yeah, have a e- bit of pressure. On but even then, that's what I'm saying. Though, but but that is never. It's not good enough for for the English press and English media. I, basically, I'm saying stoke it up so we can. And the it. idiots the idiots feed off that. Then so when they get when they get to semi-finals and finals, yeah, it's never good enough because the press are saying this is the year we're going to win it this year. This is the this is the one.
0: Football's coming home. Fucking hell. Leave that all over okay it's also years of frustration because you know they have been unlucky every every country has a bad luck has has their own set of bad luck stories but the hand of god it shouldn't have stood yeah um they were very unlucky against argentina in ninety eight they were very unlucky against germany in ninety six there's you know, Rooney injured in was it Euro two thousand and four year? The the the, the goalers should have stood Lampard's goal against Germany in twenty ten. Yeah, anyway.
3: yeah, yeah, but so there, there would have been games in those in those competitions they won that they you know by by a dint of fate they wouldn't have won either. So
0: true. It's just um, it all adds up to a to a certain thing. And with Rob Page, I look at him and I think even if you do make the odd mistake, like every single manager does. I think the players love him and I think he gets the fans and I think also having failed to qualify himself for lots of tournaments. Yeah. I think he is driven, um he's certainly motivated by the right things. So I'm uh, I'm I'm a huge fan. And I also the, the, the pride his father shows is just, well, much is just it's just general. it's just wonderful. It's just a really nice video.
2: Right, Mike, your clip for this round is from the
3: celebrations. Okay, this is uh this was on our Facebook Patreon, I think it's the first one, I picked up a, a, a Patreon's actual clip that they took of something. Yeah, This one on our fa- uh, Facebook Patreon uh, page. This one of our Patreon's. I was, was going to say, do you know what, he knows who he is, but it's it's Osher McGuinness. Okay. This is where I wish I hadn't come home to watch The Chase with my mother-in-law. <laughs> um, this is after the game. In, <laughs> this is after the game in one of the bars in <laughs>
2: we eh, waka
1: waka get eh Sammy, Sammy, eh,
2: waka waka eh, we
3: So there we go. You've had the best day of your life. you qualified for a World Cup for the first time since the 1950s. You and all your mates are out. You're having a, the best time ever, jumping up and down, loving life, loving football, loving everything. It couldn't possibly get any better. And then the Welsh team pulls up. <laughs> the bus pulls and up. And the players get out. And they don't just make straight for the VIP area where they get roped off. They start. I'm going to dance with you, and I'm going to sing song with you. And then Ethan Ampadu gets up on the table and starts leading the singing. I thought, oh my god! He's on the bins at one point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, on, he's on one of on their Rudy's massive weedy bins. But he's a young kid, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know he's, I, he's a young? I saw him playing a, a year or two ago, he and he had the, you know, the big dreads, and he was yeah. He, he looked like a little skinny kid. He was good. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. But now, obviously, he's a year or two older. He's still just young man. Yeah, so honest, when he was a teenager first time. So I was a student, he was jumping was up and down 20. on a bin outside a the bins, bar so with with the fans. Yeah, I thought this is bloody brilliant, and it's not about having a drink. It's not about getting pissed. It's not about anything else. It's about the buzz of it. It's about I don't care if he's if he's drinking mineral water. That's not the point. But a lot of these lads will be. A lot of these lads yeah, don't yeah. drink. Yeah, I and, a lot, and a lot of them do, which is absolutely you know either way is fine. It's a, it's a mad how many games they've got in such a short space of time. Yeah, they probably weren't drinking as they play. They got to play the Netherlands like in two days' time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just watching this think. Imagine that's never happened to me. I've never been, I've never been in a bar after a, a huge rugby win. Yeah, and then suddenly the players walk in. That that hasn't happened to me. No. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I was trying to think of it. I don't, I don't think it's ever happened for those boys there. I just couldn't think of a better
0: night. Can you imagine the night they would have had? My mates couldn't get onto Wormby Street because once they realised what was going on, Wormby Street was chaos. So they were trying to get onto Wormby Street. So they they were sort of adjacent to all of this. The town was absolutely... It was chaos on Sunday night because obviously people were celebrating. It was slightly less happy circumstances, but the players came into the bar a lot of Welsh fans were in after the semi-final defeats in 2016 and my mates were in there and they all had pictures with Ben Davis and Gunter and I can't remember who else was in there. I've seen the picture with Ben. Again, they were sort of, the players were just letting off steam because they've had this incredible, crazy lads holiday where they've had to play a lot of <laughs> elite level football. <laughs> and yeah, those that footage. because You don't change oh,
3: the person, do you? So Ethan Amberdew had a grown-up, being, you know, obviously the best footballer in his school and the best footballer in his club. Yeah, and his dad played for the Swans. And... He did, Kwame. Yeah, Kwame, but he just loves playing football. He love. He's a football fan. He's a football player. Yeah, he's a young bloke, and it all culminates in that. And of course, that's what. Of course, that's what he's going to do.
2: Well, it's like, why, uh,
3: why wouldn't you? Well, Gareth's
2: obviously gone. Do you know what? Let's just go upstairs to my bar by the castle, <laughs>
3: yeah. and I
2: love that. <laughs> yeah, because. I you know
3: Sheer it, balls on the man
2: Well he, he owns the bar <laughs> You don't make enough do you? Yeah, yeah <laughs> Fucking big brass balls on I love on him. Dempsey's
0: Gareth Why did you have to get rid of it? Why
2: did you get rid of the smell of piss from the toilets Gareth? Yeah That was a great bar
0: disgusting toilets in South Wales So, so Gareth it. owns a bar
2: called Eleven's That used to be Dempsey's That yeah. if you've ever drunk in Cardiff
3: Stank of piss Oh it did But yeah. it was a
2: great place to drink Despite the place. stink of
3: piss oh, Yeah <laughs> It was much nicer before the smoking bank, because you just smelt more of fags than piss.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's the, that heady blend yeah, of tobacco yeah. and urine.
3: Yeah. yeah. Smoky piss wasn't quite as bad. Smoky um, piss. But yeah, well, yeah so it's his bar. Yeah, so they but kept I, the I, bus I,
2: outside, and they all went upstairs, eventually, when they could get in, and yeah. just looked like they were having a great time. And like I say, some place. of them drinking, some of them not.
3: I've been a young bloke, being 20 years of age. You go to the World Cup, yeah. Oh my God. You've gone on the bar with all your mates afterwards, after the game. change room must have been absolutely bonkers in the change room.
0: They listened to a Mao Heed again, I think. Oh. Because I, um, I did a Feast of Football podcast straight after the game in the yeah. press box. Yeah. And I think it must be the players' lounges directly behind the press yeah, box. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And Amar yeah. Heed was
3: blasting. But it. this is, I'm not knocking rugby, but this is not a bloke in number ones. You look a bit daft there in a, in a blazer and tie in a, pair of chinos dancing on a bin, right? But I've seen I, them I
2: don't know. I think you immediately look like you're going to be <laughs> arrested, I would say. If you're on a bin in yeah. your number ones yeah, with a pint and probably a fag,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> I, th- I think it's a different look. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. They've got in. They've they finished the game. They've, they've met all the fans. They've, got, they've done the Red Wall thing. They've met all the fans. They, they're all Ukrainian boys. They go, they go back in. Rob Page. I'd love to have be been in the changing room. Listen to what Rob Purge had to say. Go and have a shower, get changed, have a bit of food, and then jump on the bus together, go into town. You go like a quarter of a mile. You park the bus on double yellows because you're a fucking Welsh football team and you just qualify for the <laughs> <laughs> World Cup. Right? Gareth just and shelling in, out money again. And you just walk in Gareth's wheel, and all the fans are there. It must have been fucking, oh, superb. And yeah, so this is just one of the patrons there. And this was not like a, a YouTube clip. This is just. Ocean taking a uh, taking a clip of the times.
0: Also, if you're twenty, it's just you'll never forget that. No, that's 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 the reason you do drive to Watford three times a week if you live yeah. in Tidless Town, isn't it? Mm. Is to get those moments.
2: I saw a couple of pictures of Connor Roberts up in the players' lounge, so with the family afterwards, and he's still in his kit. So he's obviously got yeah, into the changing yeah, yeah. rooms. I saw that. Can't be asked to get changed because he just wants to say hello to his family. He gets upstairs to that. And I saw his interview afterwards where he thought, he just said, oh, I never thought I'd even play for Wales. Let yeah, let alone, yeah, Let alone get to go to a World Cup. And it's like all these little gradations of moments in your life. That's great.
3: I love all that. And then for for the fans, if you're like a home and away fan, you've got your, you've got your hat on, you've been to the game, it's pissing them the rain, you're just having a great time anyway. Yeah. That bus pulls up with a tinted like, window. no way. You think, that can't be, can it? No. Then they'll start coming out and joining you for a dance and a drink. Yeah. Come on. And you
2: think, oh, probably, it'll probably be the media team or the backroom staff just getting dropped yeah. off. Yeah, the, yeah, players, yeah, yeah. the players yeah. are just going to go back to the own. A couple hotel. of physios from the yeah. trainers. <laughs> Let's have a <laughs> dance with a <the> physio. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> it's not quite the same vibe. <laughs> but, yeah, that must just be unbelievable.
3: Although the chase was very good. Well, that's the thing Better. as well, isn't it? Is. they missed the chase
2: was your mother-in-law dancing on the bins outside
3: yeah she was yeah yeah, as usual, yeah. yeah yeah, top off
2: loves the chase
0: <laughs> really loves it
3: oh and Vic stripped to the waist
0: waka waka <laughs> hey,
3: hey. <laughs> we're gonna win the chase waka waka hey. <laughs> when did that become like a, a, when did they sort of co-op that song
0: that Sunday night. I'd yeah. never heard it. Was I'd it? never heard a yeah. sang football
3: before. Oh, I thought it was like it'd been on tour somewhere.
0: No, it's it's a, a Shakira song, isn't it? Isn't it? I, I don't know. I think she sang it for uh, the 2010 South Africa man. World Cup. You're asking the wrong man. <laughs> I, I can't work out what the words are. No, neither waka, can I. Waka, hey, yeah. We're going yeah. to Qatar. Yes. Yeah.
3: It, it definitely wasn't Joe Rafferty, I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My
2: clip for the first round <laughs> is from the night before this.
3: Oh. So, If you're English, by the way, we do apologise. Well, I don't give a fuck. Sorry. I don't it's been it. a great weekend. Could, yeah. Couldn't care less this week, sorry. No, no, no. at all.
2: Relatable despite being Welsh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's one of our first reviews said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so imagine, <laughs> right? <laughs> Stuck with me for some reason, that. Uh, Im- well, Im- imagine, I don't know. Imagine you're from, if you're from Wolverhampton, Wolves have just won the Premier League. Yeah. But the night before that, your best boxer has won a world title. So mm. that that's kind of what this is. So yes, we qualified for a World Cup, but the night before that in the middle of Cardiff, again bumped into your mate Dan there who got you tickets for the game the next day. Oh, bless him. Motorpoint Arena, where we'll be playing a gig. Tell you what, it's nerve-wracking getting in there, seeing a huge crowd there, mate. Flipping heck. Mm. Is that playable? Oh, mm. I don't know if not, will i <laughs> But... Watching someone who I've commented on his career right the way through from when he was fighting for Welsh amateur titles and just being there ringside when he won a world title but didn't win a world title, you know, just winning it. He absolutely launched the best punch I've seen a Welsh world champion launch, and I've watched a lot of them, to win a world title. How do you you make him know that you can also hurt him because you've got to do something So, Joe Cordina is his name. You probably won't have heard of Joe, which is kind of the weird thing about boxing these days, is that he's 30 years old, he's been to the Olympics, won bronze at Commonwealth Games, European amateur, champion. But for a lot of people, this will be the first time they've ever heard of him. And the only way you can make a splash these days in boxing is by knocking someone the fuck out. Yeah. In an amazing style. Again, just being in a crowd where the scenes are... I mean, you, you talk about limbs. Yeah. I got absolutely drenched with beer when this punch went in because there were cups flying everywhere. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Like, Cardiff genuinely went nuts yeah, when yeah. this happened. And that's the moment where you go, oh, hang on. Something's happened here. There's a bit of a game changer for this lad. Well, Gary Lockett called it the biggest punch in the history of Welsh boxing. I agree with him. It's a brilliant piece of boxing for starters. So the 10 seconds before he launches the punch. So the Japanese fighter who he's up against is really good. Well, he's a kale merchant himself, isn't he?
0: Unknown as a big puncher.
2: And I thought that if Joe was going to win this, it would be 12 rounds. It might be a little bit boring, but he'd win the world title. He gets clipped a couple of times with left hooks in the first round, and he's like, ooh, I don't know about this anymore. The 10 seconds before he throws the right... He's just sort of sizing him up and he's looking at him and then his eyes go down to his chest and he faints with the left mm. and that brings the guard down and then he throws the right and you're like, oh, shit, that is good.
0: He um, Have you seen on his Twitter, mm. I think it might be his pinned tweet, where it's, um, it's the ringside angle? Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. Of that pen. Well, the first
3: round I was watching that, for a start, I am an absolute sucker for sports kits and looks right yeah white gloves yes white shoes yes and white shorts yeah looks flipping great when you got a nice suntan and lovely teeth and you're a good-looking boy that was a hell of a look right he yeah. looked the part right? yeah very crisp in the 1st half. got clipped a couple of times he was throwing that jab he had that really wide stance i this as well but yeah, he bang You snapping that jab out and caught him a couple of times with it and didn't follow it up yeah but this is when i was watching the commentary You can see Tony Sims having a chat with him in the corner. You're obviously a lot closer to it than I was. The commentator says he'd have been telling him to follow up that jab with a right hand. Yeah. So I was expecting to see left jab, right cross. Yeah. But what he did was even better, was was that little tiny feint. Yeah. Almost like a dummy in rugby. Just that little tiny feint. So he brings his right hand up to block the left jab. Yeah. But what he'd been doing in the first half, every time he blocked that jab, he dropped his left hand, which obviously... Could have seen that and thought, I'll have a bit of that. So you tease him up for it, just feints that only it's not even a, not even a fake punch, it's, not, it's just like an inch. It's like a it's like a little flex of the shoulders. Yeah. And, and and the eyes. Right hand up, left hand down, bang. And he just caught him. My God, the sound on it. It's amazing, isn't
2: it? <laughs> when a when a punch really lands.
3: That was as good as it gets. I, I you,
2: know. you know Like I say, I've known or worked with Joe for years. Mm. And just seeing someone who I like achieve something yes. means yeah, it's it yeah. a big difference. I think, I think the, a lot of people will associate with their football team and their people who they like, et etc. et cetera. But when someone, you know, has really pushed themselves and, you know, he's from St. Mellons, you know, the big sort of council estate down there. Boy, that'd be the west part of Cardiff. And he's doing it to give his family a better life. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing it to make money. And he's doing it because he's found the thing that he's good at. He was a really good and rugby is, player as a kid. Was, was he? Yeah, really good rugby and football player. Got into boxing to in between seasons to get his fitness up. And then oh. the trainer said to his dad, "Your boy's
3: really good. <laughs> he should do this." He looks great on that weight as well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you know, he doesn't yeah. look underweight. He looks, he looks bang on. And I'm not a tattoo fan either.
2: Yeah, nice but look though. Good on him. You know, mate. He's a good-looking boy.
0: Well, he came on um, at half time during the Ukraine game. Wasn't yeah, he? he did. Yeah, and he did the Ayatollah. So I'm assuming
2: he's a Cardiff City fan. He's a big Cardiff City fan, oh. and he's got a big follow. With part of it as well as having a following already. Yeah, yeah. So the pub right next to the Motorpoint Arena um, is it the Traders' Tavern?
0: Oh yeah, the one yeah, by yeah.
2: the sort of NCP. That always- Which I think
0: is an underrated, forgotten. It's a great pre-gig pub. That is. It,
2: yeah, it, it looks. It looks like I don't want to make eye contact with anyone in there. Yeah, Every time it's past it.
0: And there's a lot of uh, gig posters it it. Um, up, to about up, to, up to about 1998. Well, they yeah. were, were the last time I was in there.
2: So all the family were in there before and all of his mates were in there and had a couple of pints around there. Again, just looking at my shoes. Not... not. Maybe <laughs> <You'd> fine <laughs> I, though, mate. mate. I would not be fine to get the shit out of me. But he's got a big following. And that's a big part of it as well. So you make a yeah. massive statement with a punch and you've got a big following. You can see Eddie Hearn just looking like money. This guy's going to make me some money. Well, the,
0: the big punch he'd worked on in training for weeks and weeks and weeks. If you watch back his
2: fight last year against a guy called Hernandez, he throws it twice in that. Not as well. You can see what they've been doing in training. And it's, re- it's really, you know, when something comes off, he called it the Roberto Duran and I saw Roberto Duran retweeting it,
3: which must be pretty oh, cool wow. as well. Yeah, yeah. Hands <laughs> of storm. Yeah. But well, you know what? As well, just what to watch it. I and mean, it, it is a brutal sport, you know. And and it you you find yourself if you love boxing, and you, you, you know, and you can you see yourself a fairly decent bloke. You do find yourself defending it quite a bit, and defending you, the fact you like it quite a bit. Yeah. Cause you can't take away from what it is. You're, try, you're trying to knock somebody out. You know, that's the nature of the game. But I was watching that fight. The sportsmanship in in boxing. No, it's not always there, but when it's there, so they came out. There was the big. They touched gloves before before the first round. They touched gloves at the end of the first round. There was one bit when he, he had a clinch and he he could have really laid into him in the sort of undefended kidneys, right? Yeah. And you could see him thinking about it and he did, didn't do it. I thought nice. There's, there's, there was respect between the two of them. Obviously, the Japanese lads is known for having a big punch. So You're always on, you know. It's it's knock him out or get knocked out is your options. When he when he connected with that. My God, I mean that was that was lights out straight away. Yeah. I'm, I'm So I'm working with Matt now at We Prep, and we're doing. He, he does a lot of work with UFC fighters, a lot of boxers, uh, bare knuckle boxers, a lot of women's boxers, and, and and martial artists as well. It's all timing. It's all it's all hips and timing, and, and putting putting the whole body behind a punch. If you can, if you can even if you're ten 10, 11 stone, if you can imagine if you can get eleven stone behind two knuckles, hmm. anyone's in trouble. I said so. Are we talking about the, the women boxers that that Matt works with, and um, trains, I said. You know, I don't know what sort of weights we're talking about there, but sort of eight, around sort of eight nine stone mark. Okay. I said, I said, how hard do they punch, man? He said, they would spark you up like that, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Just because it's 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 technique and timing and oh, everything. Absolutely. Else. So when you watch this, I know they're both. I know obviously boxing's in weight categories. It wouldn't have mattered who he'd hit like that.
2: No. It's just a great yeah. punch. It's just a really yeah. You're right. It's, it's timing. Right on the mark. It's
3: re- exactly where it should be. And it was a sound on it. When you, when you watch boxing a, a, a lot, it's almost like if I if I watch rugby, I can see a try's on two passes before it's on. I just know there's going to be a try coming in. I can't do that with football. You, you can probably both do that with football, right? Mm. With boxing, as soon as 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 soon as I saw that land, I thought, he's that's him. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done.
0: He's, not, he's not getting up. It does feel as well like a star has been born. I think so. It I so. feels like a moment. What is he, our 13th world champion?
3: He's 30.
2: It's
0: uh,
3: yeah, not old he's th- for a boxer, though. So, no, it's
2: he's
0: not. It's not bad.
3: young, but it's not old.
2: But you'll you'll have four more years, maybe a little bit more. I'm not trying. To, he's not an old thirty either. He hasn't got many miles on the clock. It's really his fourteenth fight, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he had he had really bad. So he went to the Olympics in Rio in 2016 mm. and lost in the I think it was the round of 16 against the guy who then lost in the quarterfinals against uh, the Brazilian fellow who won. You kind of think that if you don't do something within the four year. As it turns out, five-year gap between the next Olympics. He's probably not going to achieve because you've got a whole raft of new fighters coming through. But he had real bad hand problems. They said that. So it was had his right hand, I think. Yeah, yeah. He, he had surgery yeah. on his right hand, so he was out of action for quite a while with that. So to to have the confidence to launch your right it, yeah, is quite yeah. a big thing as well when you've had hand Didn't surgery it? as a boxer. <laughs> Having not achieved at the Olympics, I think getting to the Olympics is an achievement personally. But I think in his mind having yeah. not, you know, won a medal at the Olympics.
0: I don't think sports people think like that.
2: No, I know. Yeah, exactly. No. You, you, you've you've got their mates. That's, that's
3: what we're all sat <laughs> Exactly. That's why I'm
2: doing this and I occasionally talk to people <laughs> rather than...
3: Who don't think that. Doing,
2: yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, who <laughs> massively don't think that and think I'm a dick. <laughs> but to now have won this, I think, I, I just, you know, Proud is the wrong word. He's just you know, massively chuffed for him.
3: Yeah. Because he he's one of those blokes as well what who a is lovely. For Welsh sport, mate. What a weekend. Yeah, yeah.
2: I can't think of a better weekend for no. Welsh sport. I just like it when nice people achieve stuff. Like Dan said, it just went off down there. It was, it was chaos. It was yeah. absolute chaos. Like the ringside. So Barry Jones, who is... Um, uh, he was super featherweight champion. He had this title mm. back in the World day champion. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Ely, which is sort of the other side of Cardiff. Um, similar area. I would say, to St. Melons. So similar kind of backgrounds the two of them have had. And Barry is one of the most professional people I've met in the sort of media business. He was up on the ringside giving Joey a massive hug within oh seconds while he was supposed to still be commentating on Five Live. And I absolutely yeah. love that. <laughs> he completely just lost it. Piled up on a table, into the ring, on the apron, giving Joe a massive cuddle because he was so proud of him
3: Because yeah. he's a nice man.
2: And I don't know anyone who's got a bad word to say. And about he'll
3: it. know how hard he's worked. Especially when you've operations, you've got to come through ops and all that rehab from yeah. that. You know, you're a boxer with your hands with a hand operation. With a boxer is a big deal. Right? Yeah, you might never come back from that. No, exactly. Um, and you're not going to know until the next time you fight. Really, you can have all the tests. You're like, but until you till you're in that situation, you don't know. Yeah, God, and we talk about sports people being dedicated just to make to make weights of that. You know, when you're fighting that weight, just to stay in the condition that you're in. I heard,
2: I heard Joe on. Um... Thursday or Friday of last week, saying that he was walking through um, town the other day and he was walking past, I think he was past the Foot Locker shop in Cardiff, mm. just sort of in between his press duties. And he said all he could smell was cookie dough. And he was, he was like, <laughs> I can't smell that when I'm not dieting. Oh,
1: <laughs> but all I could yeah. smell
2: everywhere I walked was cookie dough. He <laughs> just thinks so the commitment you have to have to that
3: is mad. <laughs> God, imagine mean having... or oh, was it so? So. Matt, the trainer there, was saying that a lot of lighter boxers will stay within sort of a seven-pound... It he was on about Selby. Yeah. He said Selby's never more than about seven pounds off weight anyway. Yeah. He's quite, you know, quite dedicated year-round to it. But some fighters will, will happen, you know, famously. Yeah. When you put on three or four stone... You're making it hard for yourself. Between yeah. fights, I mean, that is graft. So he said, so most boxers, even when they're training before a fight, there'll be a particular diet and you have to, you know, like he's saying, you know, it is, it's physically hard and, and mentally hard to do it. But even when they're not pre-fight, they can't let themselves go.
0: No. Well, Mayweather said... You can't cause have Hatton two months off. Because Hatton had put much weight on. He'd said, I'm, he's training to make weight and I'm training to beat him. Oh, that's a, great, that's a great way of putting it. Because Mayweather never... His weight never ballooned. He always looks exactly the same. But Hatton would train hard and then he'd binge and yeah. treat himself. But uh, it must be so demoralising at the beginning of a camp to think, oh, Jesus Christ! I've got to lose, I've got to lose oh, three really stone fat. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, Fury <laughs> lost ten. Fury lost ten stones, didn't he?
3: Yeah, That's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, ten stone. Well, I'm trying to get four off. No, I'm not four, quite four, but yeah, need about three off. Yeah, well, I, I I took off about four and a half before, and then I put up, but I put a lot of it back on. Yeah, I'm trying to lose, I'm trying to lose three. When's the fight? It just
0: seems like a long slog. <laughs> <laughs> next next time, someone stares at Kelly. <laughs> He's put me on a... <laughs> in a Toby Carvery. Next time someone charge
2: you 175 quid. <laughs> he's put me on a
3: 16-week program, though. Okay. So I'm on a 16-week training program. feels he like he's got to... a
2: fight sorted for you, mate. I'll be honest. It feels like you may want to check the internet. Well, he's
3: invited me to come and watch. He said, why don't you come and watch um, a, a BKB night in the O2? Okay. You can come watch a BKB night. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I'll have a bit of that. Definitely, just watching them. He said, he said "Train away." So we'll get you in the ring with some boys. I'd rather not do that. Yeah, honest. I'd rather not get in the ring with any of those boys. <laughs> Shake okay. hands. Wish them all the best. <laughs> I'll watch them in the ring. We'll let them that's crack right. on with it. I'll <laughs> um, we'll carry their belts in. It's fine. But he's with that, so he's bringing me, like the meals to eat, and then kicking my ass three times a week training. Yeah. But that's, if you're if you're a boxer, or if you're especially if you're a professional boxer, that, yeah. that's your life. Your, your work in life, I suppose, and footballers and rug players these days, are, you know, much more so than it was in my day, You that know, you've got to keep on top of that all the time. Yeah, We played bloody touch rugby last week for the uh, the Distant Pod uh, touch rugby team. So Sluak act two doors down there. All the club rugby boys who play for us yeah. are stuck in Bordeaux with this easy jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two or three of our team couldn't make it Monday. He said, oh, I've got a couple of, uh, couple of ringers in who come and play for us. I said, OK, cool. Bear in mind, last week was fast, too fast for me. Yeah. So he brings in uh, the uh, Teddy and Max from Cardiff Rugby. Nice, right? Six foot five, six foot six. You know, mid twenties, yeah. professional, full time professional rugby players. Yeah. I thought. No. I fucking. Oh, this Fuck. is a marked increase in pace this, this week. This isn't is it? too hard. My Achilles just went. I couldn't walk for two days afterwards. Gone. Brilliant. And that's not like no contact touch rugby. <laughs> this is. Uh, so his next fight now will be probably.
2: Realistically, September. three or four months, wasn't it? Yeah, September I think they're looking at because they want to get him back out again. I think they've realised, listen to Eddie Heard, they've realised there's a crowd there for it. They've realised what they can do if they if they fight him in Cardiff. It's just always that problem with Cardiff that the motor point is whatever size it is. Yeah, You haven't got that step-up in arena size yeah. until you do Cardiff City Stadium, I guess. Which is, September. Which is probably too big. It's probably it? too big at the moment. Unless yeah. it's uh, unification, but that's probably too early. I don't know. I'm not sure. You could probably just do the motor point again, try and get it a little bit bigger, try and get a bit more hype behind it, and then next I'd be one. I'm quite happy with the motor point myself.
3: That's <laughs> what level I'll be looking at. Yeah, is that what we're aiming at? Yeah.
2: I think we should always aim higher. I think we use the motor point to win the title. Okay. Look at it. And then we what unify unify <sighs> at the principality.
3: <laughs> it, was, it was unification let's well,
2: unify against parenting hell tag team <laughs> 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 I think it'd be good Rob would be up for that wouldn't he yeah. he'd, be, he'd be up for a unification he's got fight. a boxing crowd actually exactly he? he's got yeah, a crowd does, there yeah, yeah. we could bring a crowd in I reckon yeah. that's what we do we, come on Rob a, we have come a, on. let's get it on yeah exactly we have our title fights both of us at the motor point <laughs> let's go big
3: God, just, I, I would love once just that ring walk to go in you know what
2: I mean? He did Delilah. It was brilliant. So yeah. they did the first little couple of bars of it. I'm not um, a big fan of the song Delilah, but... No, yeah. no, but the crowd just going off with it was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Un- lyr- lyrical content is problematic. I agree with you.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's of an era. I'm not sure what that <laughs> era was or whether it should have ever existed.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My daughter's doing, um, like, uh she's playing Mac- Lady Macbeth in a thing with a. Her- the theatre group on right. Sunday. So she's quite, she's learned loads of lines, fair play. Her memory for learning lines is ridiculous. But also now she's very good, she's into her history. There was a thing called, is it called, um, I, I'll get the name wrong, there's a musical called Six, maybe about Six Wives, Henry VIII, which okay. she's well into now. Okay. So she's into her, Henry VIII and Elizabethan history now as well. Yeah. So you tell me all about Elizabeth I this morning while we got school. But imagine if your mother, so her mother uh, was uh, uh, Anne Boleyn, right? I was <laughs> oh, just for a dysfunctional family. Your dad's cut your mum's head off imagine growing up like that it's pretty Where's difficult one to get past <laughs> she left your mum your mum died sadly how did she die I chopped her head off uh, I say I did it I got someone to do it for me now get off that
2: iPad and come and have your tea
3: <laughs> I got relationship issues dad I've <laughs> seen someone at Relate <laughs> I chopped your mother's head off imagine and then being the next wife then
2: that's the hard bit for me yeah is yeah. the decision to marry him would you like after to marry that? me
3: Mm. 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 What happened to her again? So we went... <laughs> what, <Well>, all <laughs> the way off? <laughs> yeah. So first one led to a Catholic pogrom, second one he chopped her head off. Okay. Good um, time lucky. <laughs> should we just be I, friends? I mean, I, I like you. Yeah. Really. Look, luckily, luckily for her, she just died of natural causes. Oh, that's good, is <laughs> What a quirk of fate. Oh, Fucking hell. Chopped your mother's head off. So what happened to the rest of them? Did they all... I didn't really study this period. You know the rhyme, divorced. No. So no. he divorced, um, Catherine of Aragon. So she got off away for quite a while, yeah? Which, which led to the schism with the Catholic oh, yeah, Church. yeah, but that happens. You know. Which, from what I remember, was a right laugh. And the dissolution, dissolution of the monasteries. <laughs> and, and, you know, 100,000 deaths, or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah,
2: but, you know, she got away with it, yeah?
3: Then he chopped off Anne Boleyn's head. Yep. Then I think it was Jane Seymour next, who we did like, but she died. Okay. Uh, and then he divorced... Catherine, I was got my Catherine's mixed up. Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr, maybe. Okay. Uh, and then Catherine Howard, I think he cut her head off. Yeah. And the last one outlived him. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. You know. Survived. Yeah. But you know, sens- sensitive level by all accounts. <laughs> Mad times, isn't it? But she's doing Macbeth on Sunday. So I'm very, I'm very, very pleased for her. the Scottish play.
2: Right, it is time for this week's documentary. It is my choice this week. Um, New platform to choose from. So FIFA Plus is a new branch of FIFA. Thankfully, editorially, it seems to have a wide remit, which is good. It doesn't seem to be controlled from Switzerland by the big head honchos at FIFA, which is nice. Crucially, it's free as well, because I know a lot of you aren't, are sort of unsubscribing from your Netflix and your Amazon Primes and all that kind of stuff at the
3: moment. So
0: I was amazed that it was free.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, I it was as well. It's a, In fact, I was cursing. You I thought bloody hell, Steph, I've got to pay for something else now, have exa- so, I? Exactly. So oh, no, it was free. Exactly.
2: It's it's a free thing. I think this is the first of the sort of bespoke documentaries that they're trying to pull together for it. I've had a few chats with these guys, and it. It, it seems like who knows but it seems like a very very good idea and they've got crucially the archive obviously to everything that's ever happened in the yeah. football world cup so there is a lot of remit there for what they could be making this one is made by a guy called louis miles and it is called croatia defining a nation
3: yeah, croatia 98. they're a brilliant team we had that extra thing.
1: We knew that we can beat anyone. That team gave us belief that we can achieve something great in Russia.
0: That was a team that had been through the war. And I think there's just this great sense of purpose.
1: It was a strange feeling to play football with so many bad things going around. Enough is enough. You're going out of Yugoslavia. If we all need to die, we'll do it.
0: I've been in and around 18 wars. This is the most brutal of them all.
4: I think everybody knew... It was just a matter of time before things fell apart and you
2: see that through football so it's the story of um croatia told through football told through footballers it's probably as much a war documentary as much a history documentary as it is a football documentary And there's probably three documentaries you could have made here. But I think Louis made some great decisions on it because it's all intertwined. And it's all, it felt really relevant regardless of what happened with the football over the weekend or whether Ukraine had lost to Scotland or lost to Wales. The parallels are huge within that about, you know, a nation, Kind of defining itself or presenting itself on a world stage as having a national identity via a sport. And my knowledge of countries has always come from sport. So yeah. I wouldn't know what North Macedonia was were it not for sport. I wouldn't know what Senegal was were it not for sport.
3: I probably wouldn't know most countries had it not been for watching sport. I like history and geography, but this documentary, to be fair, explained that whole horrible conflict to me better. Yes. I mean, I I understood more after watching this about that conflict than I've ever understood.
0: Well, Yugoslavia today is Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Kosovo, Montenegro, North Macedonia, Serbia and Slovenia. Yes. Mm. So they were all one country under Tito. Mm. And the war in the Balkans was on the TV all the time when I was growing up. It was on every night, Martin Mm. Bell. And it's the most brutal conflict since World War Two in Europe. I mean it's just your bell says the most brutal conflict he's ever witnessed he's ever yeah. witnessed, and he's I mean, witnessed what, dozens of. What happened in Bosnia is absolutely it's sickening. Mm. It's horrendous what happened in Bosnia. And I just threw I hadn't realized actually, it had, I hadn't I hadn't joined the dots because I've always loved the Croatian Croatia national Croatian national teams. Not a particularly big country, Croatia, but they they've got an incredible knack of producing mm. Amazing footballers and Euro '96, which is a tournament I vividly remember. My God, they had some good players. Yeah, Davos Shuke was my favourite one. Who, until this documentary, I had always been pronouncing Shuka. I vividly remember that because it was it was a. It doesn't really happen anymore because there's so much football on TV. You know all the big players. All the players who are expected to perform and excel prior to the tournament, but in those days. It was a a journey of discovery. And he was at Sevilla. I think he went to Madrid after the tournament. Hmm. I remember watching him in the group stage just thinking, (laughs) (laughs) this guy is absolutely unreal. And the goal he scored against Denmark, you know, the chip. I don't know if that was goal of the tournament. I'd never seen anyone do anything like that before. At the time, I just thought, oh, that's cool. You know, Croatia are a good team. I don't know very much about Croatia. Now you understand how much it meant to those players to represent Croatia, not Yugoslavia. Having won the World Youth Championships, and is it the Under-20 Championships? It's in the Under-20, 20, 20, yeah. yeah. So
2: the, the, I knew nothing about, like you say, like Mike said about the history of this region. I didn't understand it enough. So when you've got Lovren later on talking about being a Bosnian Croat, so talking about growing yeah. up in Bosnia, but being of... Croatian heritage and how he has to leave and live in Germany. I didn't get all of that dynamic. I didn't understand. I thought that you had this bit of land and you just wanted your bit of land to be free from Yugoslavia. Yes. But the actual sort of ethnic diversity within that land, I didn't fully grasp, I don't think. Or I hadn't given it enough attention, maybe. Mm. So it's really good at explaining all of that. What I also didn't know enough about was how good Yugoslavia
0: during this period worked. Because Wales lost to Yugoslavia in the quarterfinals of Euro 76. Yeah. And the tournament itself was held in Yugoslavia. They lost in the semis, but they're a really good, ty- they're a really good team. Everyone remembers that final because it's the Polenka final. Yeah. Because uh, the Czechs beat the Germans. Northwest. But I
2: didn't realise there was a, a golden generation of Yugoslavian footballers who'd won the World Youth Championship the under-20s in Chile in 87.
3: I think because, is it to do with the, the whole home nation's football you you know you've got the f e w and you've got you got the you got the uh, f a and everything is that like i i i wasn't i i've never heard of that competition we just never qualify for it because we did we never qualify we didn't enter we didn't no yeah,
2: we, we've always what you you go via the i guess it's the under 19s european championships and if you finish it in the top whatever of that you go into the world under twenties okay but we've never well the got e- that england
0: of england of England have won, england
2: won, it. Have won it yeah but we've never got but, that far within it.
0: Well the problem with Wales is that our best players at nineteen, you play for the first cause it's the old if yeah, you're yeah, good yeah. enough, you're old enough. But this sort
2: of building of a generation of players and then trying to understand the the cultural diversity of some of these guys, listening to Slavan Bilic saying that because his dad was, you know, fairly militantly Croatian independent. Oh you'll movement, never get picked he didn't get any kind of age group caps for other. He Yugoslavia. comes across
3: really, really well in this. Yeah, yeah, he does. absolutely. Really, really well. And self-deprecating. When he says, you know, I wasn't the best player in the world, but you weren't far off me at one point. You
2: were bloody good. What's he saying? He says, oh, I wasn't not Beckenbauer. 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 I'm not probably more." Oh, that's it, yeah. Mm. But, but I was
0: good. <laughs> also, that so many of that um, golden generation of Yugoslav players who won the Under-20 World Cup in 1987, so many of them were Croatian, which yes. helped. Yeah. yeah. And Croatia's a country of 4.2 million people. Yeah. Is it really... Yeah. <laughs> and you look. I was just. I was just thinking about the that um, the '96 side. Davosuke obviously ended up at um, Madrid. Hmm. And was it Sevilla? Boba. Um, Alan Boksic as well. Do you remember him playing for Juventus? Yeah. I mean, I used to. Watch, I used to watch that team thinking, how were they doing it? Yeah. It's not a big place. Buff. And then they got to the semis in '98. They got to the final in 2018.
3: Crikey. I think it's an historical piece of work as well, to put it in the context, with somebody can understand. You imagine when you're playing, you're playing for a country in commas, Yugoslavia, which is an amalgamation of nations, obviously, right? Mm. It's all going tits up around you. Mm. You know, Croats are fighting Serbs, and the, the Bosnians are getting. You know, there's, it's just all going off in different places, and you're coming together to f- to play in a football game. But the, but the the weirdest one of all was the club match. So when you got. Belgrade. This is Dynamo as a greb. My God, I mean that was like a well, Zvonimir a Boban, a civil war on the pitch. I kick mean, it in was... the
0: kick in the copper. They reckon that kick started the war because it was such a symbolic moment. And then they burn the Yugoslav flag, Yugoslavian flag. Yeah, how good does he look? I, I was going to say Boban was
2: someone who I liked watching play anyway. So when he was in Milan, he's got to be mid-fifties, isn't he? But he looks so fucking cool in this. Like shit. the way the backdrop is done, he's good looking, but also well, he's really serious and then kind of cracks it then he tells that story about being at the youth championships and with the him, two girls. Him and his mate copping off with Miss Chili.
3: <laughs> Walking at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah.
2: And I thought, oh, okay, you have got a little bit about you.
3: This is good. <laughs> but goes back into what you're saying about like, I I threw forward to it we're talking about the, the Welsh team and with Rob earlier. Yeah. Even at that young age, so you're, you're a young lads, so you're like 19 years of age, you're in the World uh, Youth Championships. You, two of your best players have broken the curfew, they're getting sent home. Yeah. To have the team spirit to turn around then to quite, an, quite a strict coach, quite a sort of authori- authoritarian um, regime, mm. and say, well, we're not playing then. If they're going home, we're not, none of us will play. Yeah. That takes bollocks. I it think. does, doesn't it? So and it takes real teams. And they're the things you don't forget. So when those two players come back in the team then, you know that your mates have done that for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That never goes away, does it? Oh, absolutely. You've got that bond then forever, haven't you?
2: You got that thing where, you know, your mates have stood up for you. But he look yeah, yeah. he looks superb
3: in this whole documentary. Oh, doesn't he? Oh. Well Suka looks better now than he did then, and he's fifty
0: he's fifty four. And the team that got to the semi-final of uh France ninety eight? I think it's Bilic says we'd all known each other since we were 12. We'd come up, up
3: through the age groups. Together. You know in England shit themselves about getting drawn against Germany because of the you know the historical when he was saying we were they couldn't wait to play Germany again. <laughs> yeah. He said yeah, we yeah, have yeah. someone to prove. They wanted to play Germany. Yeah. And that German team that beat him obviously were a good side you know. But then to say we really want to play you now. We're, we, we we want to put that right and you you beat Germany by th- you put three goals on Germany In a, in a major championship which I don't think it never happened before.
2: But I like the measured, like Boban in particular, his measured thought processes about how he. Because my natural assumption would be you didn't really want to play for Yugoslavia because you're Croatian. So my natural assumption is that that's the bad thing. Yeah. But life isn't as binary as that. And he's right. like, no, well, that was, yeah. that was the national team. So I wanted that to play the for team. the national well, like, team. That was my If i chance been to
3: play. 20 years of age yeah. and someone said to me, you know, Obviously, if, I, if I was playing for Wales, I would love it. That's my country. Yeah, I wouldn't turn down playing for the British Lions. Exactly. I I might not agree with the Union Jack. I might not agree with. There's plenty of stuff I don't agree with. But that would still be your your chance to you know you're playing with the best of the best then. So if you're on the Yugoslav team, hmm. also with Boban,
0: I I had heard before that him attacking a copper, yeah, is the thing that's seen as kickstarting a war almost. Yeah, or certainly kick kickstarting an uprising. Drop kickstarting it. <laughs> but And I'd always thought, oh, no, surely not. But Red Star, Belgrade, they were Serb nationalists, their fans.
2: Well, so Arkan was basically in charge of their yeah. hardcore fans.
0: And it, hap- it happened Which in the crazy, Croatian it? National Stadium. To fight with a cop in a regime like that is such a, is such, I mean, you could almost call it foolhardy, but it's certainly a very courageous thing to do. And then you see the Yugoslav flag being burnt and yeah. stuff. And then it just... It just creates, um, you know, it's it's clearly the end of a regime anyway. And Tito died in 1980. What was was I found amazing about this documentary, which I think I will probably watch again, is that it took all of these tiny little strands that I half knew about from watching the news as a youngster and having an interest in sports and having an interest in European politics. (laughs) It's all dovetailed into one documentary. You're like, bloody hell. And I've always been impressed with... Croatia, because they have this incredible knack for producing world-class players for a country that's you know smaller than Scotland. Yeah, like Modric is the latest one. Bloody hell! I mean, that guy. What? But what he said that they're his heroes as well. At the end. He yeah, yeah. The, the ones I looked up to. But now I know what it means to those players. I'm, I'm, I, w- I wouldn't say they're my second team. You don't really have second team. But I will always now have an interest in the Croatian national side. Yeah. Because it's beyond sport, isn't it?
3: Well, the one fellow there, whether well, they bring up the careers. So some like 1990, 1998, whatever. The one lad there who only played, I think, the one year, the one season. Yeah. But he'd been on the front line at 16. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, my son's just gone to school this morning. He's 13 this year. So that's like in three years' time. Ben going to war? Yeah. I thought, fuck that. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. And I also broadly understood the Serb-Croat thing. mm the Bosnian thing because that sort of came out. Yeah, I never really Do you remember thought. it all started. It all started bloody. There was this horrible bloody snowball, and then the, the whole Bosnian thing kicked off. I never understood it. Mm. I couldn't get my head around it. Who was fighting who until that woman was there saying, "We didn't know." Yes, you know it was. First of all, there was us. It was, it was the Croatians and the and the and the, uh, and the Bosnians against the against the Croats, and then mm. but then but everyone kept changing allegiances. The, the enemy kept changing until so everyone was fighting everybody else. So I thought well I thought that was just my lack of understanding of it. It just seemed that everyone was fighting everyone. But that's what was happening. So fuck it, how would you deal with that? But Jesus like, like you say, from
2: from Tito sort of dying through to ninety two, really you've still got this sort of Yugoslavian football team existing mm. and people We're always it a good it. side as well. And, yeah exactly and they're always quite good. And then they show that friendly before the World USA. Cup. No, the uh, the Yugoslavia friendly against oh, the, the Netherlands, ones. where they all start booing the anthem, and they go down the line, and there's one player who's kind of half giggling, and obviously just gets himself at the last second and corrects, him and just like hmm. stares straight yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, <laughs> as the camera comes down the line, but to to be playing within that environment while everything's going on, and you know your country's borderline revolution. And yet, you're still playing for the other team.
0: Well, the, that, that riot marked the end of the Yugoslavian league, which had those two teams in it. So, by the end of the next season, Slovenia and Croatia declared independence from Yugoslavia.
3: Cool-looking cup as well. It looked like someone
0: at a Game of Thrones, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Trophy. I just, I just cannot imagine playing football in such an emotionally charged, or even watching football in such an emotionally charged atmosphere. Yeah. And then the players. I think as who says. You know, we're not politicians. We're we're not we're footballers. But we read the news. We knew what was going on, and we knew that it was bad, and it was probably going to lead to war. Mm. And it just seemed after the the end of the Cold War, and the and the, and the wall coming down, Europe in those in the early nineties, it was a really really miserable place, Eastern Europe. You know, yeah. you were just the Balkans. It was the news from there was always so bleak. Mm. I remember um, when Sarajevo was bombed obviously that's where Toval and Dean won mm. uh, Olympic gold in '84. I remember on News at Ten on Newsnight. Just I saw why though. <laughs> no, but they had, <laughs> they had, they had footage of the of the ice rink where Toval and Dean had Camping skated. About it. And it's you know it's in, <laughs> and it's in bits and it's derelict and it's been bombed. And you just think bloody, yeah, that was eight you know six or seven years ago. Yeah.
3: Well, I did I, what well, I was uh, doing a bit of advertising before when. Um... <laughs> I was, sorry, I was in Serbia. I was in Belgrade doing, a, doing yeah. that. It's weird to be in a place where you can still see big chunks of masonry mist and bullet holes everywhere. And yeah. just, it, you know. And then at the time then, this would have been three or four years ago now, there was a big election going on. There was some uh, Serbian sort of far-right nationalist that was doing really well in the polls there. And it's, it was still a bit of a tinderbox there. It was still, like that hadn't gone away. In, in 2000, whatever that was, 16, 17, people still, because it, it was only... You know, I'm I'm just turned fifty. I was in my twenties when this was going on. It wasn't it wasn't like ancient history.
0: Well, there's aggro every time Serbia play Croatian anything. Mm. So there was really bad fighting at the Australian Open tennis because the Croatian tennis player was playing a Serbian tennis player. Really? It, yeah, yeah. It's it does it does kick they they played. Each other in the same group, weren't they? In the qualifying for the 2014 World Cup. Okay. And those games were very, very tense. But it happens at other sporting events. It's a tremendous. I mean, it is. It's it's bleak. It's at times a hard watch. Yeah. But it's a tremendous piece of television.
2: It's right? a great I mean, piece yeah. of work, and the, it's really l- filmic as well. Then you can tell they got a bit of money. Well, Louis stuff that he's made before. He's a listener to the pod. Uh, is he? Yeah, yeah. But he made the Liverpool 30-year wait. Um, one of the Calcio Docs, Stop the Tour. Oh, wow. Uh, and the one I, I haven't watched, actually, Kai, you've seen Kaiser, you know, the greatest footballer never to play football. Oh, so got, did yeah. you make that? I've seen yeah, that. I was going to pick yeah. that. So Louis made that one as well. Oh, it's really good. So he, all of his stuff is really filmic. <laughs> and it does yeah. look yeah, looks yeah, beautiful. Re- all the set-up shots of these
3: football. You do You already see those FIFA great. World Cup films they do and yes. they always look epic like they should be yeah, in a cinema. Yeah. Well they were in cinemas, but I mean yeah. this is a sort of doc that looks like it should be on a cinema screen. Like it looks it looks amazing. Um I tell it worked as well, you mentioned this I think last part. Al. I watched the whole thing with subtitles on because yes. a lot of the stuff is subtitled, but they the people speaking English, they they leave the subtitles on. But I was really found myself paying more attention to it because of that. Mm. I don't know why I don't know why the brain works like that. Mm. But I mean fucking hell. You imagine with the players who went who had the chance to go away. And you can see that they feel almost like a sense of guilt about it. But the government said, we need you because you're the sort of shop window of Croatia for the world. Yeah, We need our sports people to go away. So That's the bit that I thought
2: related to what's going on in the world now Mm. was Mm. that my kids' knowledge of what's happening in Ukraine is purely based on sport. Just purely based on the fact that that there's a war going on. They get that bit. But the fact that these guys are playing football on Sunday against Wales and the week before against Scotland,
3: that's what they focus on and the fact that these lads are doing that it. That was so hard to register with on last week at the football, mm. thinking that there'll be hundreds or if not thousands of people here getting on a plane in mm. a day or two, flying back to a war zone where you've been out with your mates having a drink, watching a game of football, mm. having a dance, having a sing.
0: It must seem it's just surreal, isn't it? The FAW gave hundred tickets to refugees. Yeah. Hell. Um, also, good to see pod listener Jonathan Wilson make an appearance. Always good. Always I good to see Jonathan. See Jonathan. Absolutely yeah. love yeah. Jonathan. But, well, I, um, I
2: like his point about you know that Yugoslavian team. Had they not, um, had this all not been happening in the ninety-two uh, Euros that Dennis oh, yeah. win, like a yeah. they, they still moment. view it as being something that they could have won. Well they
0: would have been favourites, is is what he says. And yeah. Of course. That that hadn't that never, never occurred to me. No. Because they I mean, were displacing Yugoslavia Denmark. Denmark hadn't qualified themselves. Yeah, I'd never thought about it in that way. No.
3: Not but that also he sort of alludes to what would that have done for the country. That's
2: interesting, isn't it? In a of
3: Yugoslavia. So talking about national identity
2: be... and pride
3: again and how that all works, what what then happens? Mate, how cool is that? Is it Blazovic? Am I saying his name right? The coach? Zero. He's, he's so cool. When he's doing those keep-ups with the side of his feet. That's amazing. The well, outside of both on,
2: boots. On, son. But the, the fact that he just wins. What weird. a
3: plug when he's saying well, he's a, an innovator as well. But obviously a bit of an ego. Not an egotist. Not, a, not in a bad way. But a, but a larger-than-life personality. Yeah. There's the bit when he says uh, before the Germany game and I had all these plans and we talked about last part about the difference in roles and positions. And everyone's role sorted out for the game. Uh, All the stuff ready. It's like
0: I could just see their eyes and he's like, fuck it, score and play, you know. (laughs) So good. When he was doing uh, the kick-ups with the side of his foot in front of the press on the pitch, it made me think of um, British journalists always described those East European teams as being technically very good, which surely (laughs) just means good. Yeah. Technically be are going to be te- uh, uh, almost as if oh we, they probably won't win but they are technically very technically good Technically good at football the Welsh record out in the Balkans is is dreadful yeah we're we're bad out there you know I I can't think of many victories in in that part of uh, Europe but then you see the uh manager gray-haired manager to win kick for the side <laughs> you of his got, course, oh that's why. yeah fair
2: enough. <laughs> but I like the way Jonathan Wilson says that... um he sort of he used the, the three at the back. He, he'll 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 tell you he invented it. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just a really nice way of saying. He pioneered it. Yeah, he'll so tell he, you
3: invented it. <laughs>
2: but I think yeah, that sort of that story arc and then sort of seeing how they come through and I think Boban talks about the pride of playing for it was a dream. You you dream about playing for Croatia and you you know, you were happy to represent Yugoslavia. Yeah, the difference yeah. between mm. those two things for him is fascinating as well and the way that they've come through to be in one of the best countries. And I, again, I wouldn't know about Croatia as a country had I not watched football. Because if someone says Croatia, I immediately picture Slavan Bilic in a red and white check shirt. Yeah, that red and, and white shirt. That's the first shirt, thing that comes to my head if someone says Croatia.
3: I've got to say as well, mate, just as a... With the, they've all aged very, very well, right? Yeah. Number one. When you look at the pictures from back in the 90s, I cannot think of a bloke... Without an earring mm-hmm. who look better with an earring. Oh interesting. interesting. Because they show they show all of them when they had earrings back in the day. Yes. And they look bad. And now they haven't got earrings and they look good. I don't know. Yeah. I was just trying to think, you know, who who looks better with
0: an earring that that didn't have an earring. The before, kind of like people who walk around the kind of people who walk around Bristol on stilts if you can, you see if you can have gl- an earring have a
3: proper dream catcher isn't
0: it? Yeah. you see a cluster brain you think what do you do for the other 361 days of the year
3: yeah spend their dad's money the fucking charlatan they, they look better
0: with earrings I would look like a complete tit with an earring but oh um, dad God, wanted, yes. I want to but when I was about 13 Did my you? dad said no yeah
3: Oh, you would both look. I mean, I'd, I'd look odd. You'd yeah, both look yeah. appalling. I was really upset because Mum and I could have one. So, but check check with your dad. I said, "Oh, Mike wants an earring because so a lot of his friends got an earring, and not have an earring." Well, so, You know, okay, you don't have an earring. <laughs>
2: no. what, what, what would you want? Like a, an actual sort of just a hoop? What do you want? Just wanted a gold stud because all my well, mates like, had gold puncher.
3: studs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to Barry Boys in the eighties, bear in mind. Yeah, you know.
2: So, a gold stud in the ear. Yeah. I,
3: I wanted a gold star Then I wanted to be a dad by 15 They were, the <laughs> they were my aims To fit in <laughs> Two things Like all my mates <laughs> 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 It's like a fit in at last I'm going to sell speed
2: To fund my <laughs> child That I've got at 15
3: I just don't think They ever look good enough. You know I, I'm very flamboyant But I don't think And I love jewellery on, on men as well I like a nice necklace I love rings I love bangles I love <laughs> big belts I love jewellery. <laughs> you appear to be justifying Criticizing it's just, it's just male jewellery
2: by going, Some of my best friends wear jewellery. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, but loads of my mates had earrings in the day, and almost none of them wear an earring now. They've all got the whole, the telltale hole there. Yeah. yeah. Screams, tis, is Screams, tis, was when you see the Nipple hole. ring? Oh, God, no. No? No, no, no. Okay. No, I watched. Uh, I was watching uh, Naked Attraction the other day, mm. and there was some more Scottish fella there who looked like a pervert anyway, to be fair. <laughs> But he was, he basically, so he'd been married for years and years, this little goatee bearded Scotsman, mm. and his wife passed away, like, about five, six years ago. Okay. He just went off. He, he looked like, he looked like a librarian, like this little Scottish librarian. Yeah. And then his wife passed away. Next thing, he's bisexual. He's, he's finally discovered he's bisexuality. Yeah. And he's had everything pierced. <laughs> So he was on It'd naked attraction, freaking. and there was dicks and tits everywhere. He didn't care what he didn't care what it was.
2: <laughs> one of them, one of them, one of them.
3: Everything was pierced. He had a, he had his old boy pierced in about three different places. He had his scrotum oh. pierced. Three places. Pierced. Oh, he had like a bar through his shaft. Yeah. Ah. He had like a ring through his through his his dick eye. Yeah. No. And then he had God, like a ring, no. a rod. No. Good use of the word the base dick eye. Of his, uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice word. He had a, a ring at the base of his like scrotum as well. on Oh no what, no, no, no no no
2: no that's that's. The bar through the shaft I'm
0: not having. Well, he clearly doesn't ride a bike. <laughs> do you want to go stand you next to him, do you? Just leave it.
2: Leave it alone?
0: Just leave it alone.
3: There's no need to do that to your deck. Oh. It's not much of that, you know. doesn't need accessories. Imagine if his kids are watching, on each to their own, right? I don't care what anyone does. But it'd be weird if you, you've had this sort of fairly reserved dad all your life. Yeah. And mum. Yeah. Then yeah. mum passes away. You're trying to, trying to deal with that. Meanwhile, your dad's out, you know. Piercing the way, shit out of his cock. Having a wait for time, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Checking out dicks on national television with his with 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 his with his his pierced knob and, and, and nipples. Yeah. You know,
0: whatever, get, whatever gets you through the night.
3: It was like every other box. It was yeah. like woman bloke, woman bloke, woman bloke. Fair enough. But a lot of piercings. I've never been into that. No. I'm, I'm not saying that if you get a, like a single ear stud, you're some sort of weirdo. I, I understand that this is... Just a yeah, but, but
2: I think three on your old boy is too much.
3: Oh, oh God! I well, see those people have had, like it surgically split in half and oh, oh, that. Oh what? Might. Why? Are you not seen that?
2: No, because I haven't seen that.
3: Oh mate, what? people get what? people get their dick surgically cut Look lengthways. Yes. Why? lengthways. Why? yes. Lengthways. Yes, lengthways. Why? Well,
2: I mean, widthways <laughs> a bit will of fall off. So obviously. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've realised that's stupid. That's oh, bollocks. Was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna chop this in. Oh, fuck it up!
3: <laughs> Just cut it off, please. I meant lengthways. Oh, you fucking idiot! Oh,
0: I why? You
2: did that.
3: <laughs> why? Yeah, why would
0: you... I need that? And who? That. And who is doing that?
3: How? How and why?
0: And how much uh, does it cost? And why?
3: People. Which I, I was saying you the brochure. If you right now, You seem to. absolutely really intrigued.
0: Do you, do you get that done? on... You can't get that done on the NHS, should But what for? Things? What's the
3: What's the point of doing that? Because they're weirdos. So, so you can have a, an operation where they split the entire length of the shaft. Yeah, no. keep all the working bits on one side, the urethra and stuff. Oh, right. oh, so you pee to the side? Well, you pee out of one side of it. Yeah, oh, like the other side is not p- just out the middle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then you you can have, and I have seen, not not in, not in the flesh, that it's a double pregnant. erection. Well, yeah, that, but also they get both ends of the penis pierced. Oh, be quiet! Ring. Well, yes. what, to pull it back then, together? Uh, no, individually pierced with yeah. a ring. Yeah. And then I saw once, it was a bloke who it's both his nipples pierced yeah. with rings, yeah. his cock split in two with a ring on each end of his cock, Yeah, and a chain from each ring, from like the right-hand side of his penis to his right nipple, Yeah, and the left side of his penis to his left nipple.
0: What a thing to regret. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Louis spent yeah. years making this documentary.
0: Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine waking up after the op and thinking, no, that was Second a mistake. Thoughts. Second thoughts. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Can we oh, show my cock back together, please?
3: God. Each to their own, like, I mean, yeah,
2: yes and own. no. <laughs> There's got to be limits to each to their I own. I would legislate oh, against it. I just wouldn't want it that be to Still,
0: me. Louis, if you're listening, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. Great documentary, man. Apologies yeah. for the slight detour at the end, but um, what yeah. a documentary. What an amazing piece of work. Well, incredible, actually.
2: Overall, oh, yeah. incredible documentary. Piercings will be what I take away from this Mike, conversation. Mike though. needs to clear his browsing history. <laughs> Did you, did you use the private browsing?
0: See, see, you, f- see you for the book
3: review. <laughs> I use the private browser that I always use when I'm, when I'm buying my wife jewellery, like on the advert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah. I just I just buying you an engagement ring, what, love.
2: What Adam Buxton refers to it as the wanky window. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mike's been buying me my jewellery again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Still hasn't turned up, this jewellery, Mike. <laughs> so...
3: Croatia defining a nation.
2: <laughs> Imagine Slav and Bilic are listening to this
3: now. <laughs> it's a brilliant documentary.
2: It is very, very.
3: good. It looks amazing. It sounds great. It's powerful. It's fucking hard. It's hard in bits to watch. Yeah, but it should be because you know it's about what it's about. But yeah, I didn't realise there was 4.8 million people. Like, I just assumed they were like I don't know the size of France. Like, you know, 50 million people or something. <laughs> So it's called Croatia
2: defining a nation, I love that, it's the size of France.
3: Well, I'm pretty good at populations normally, but I've got Croatia bang wrong. G- give me a country, I'll tell you the population. Okay, uh, the, 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 the Italy. It's about 30 million.
2: Okay, I'm going to have to start Googling, obviously. I'm Go on, throwing... oh, Italy's bigger than that. that. Go on. No, it's not. Italy's it's about not. 60 million. No way near Oh, fucking hell, this is going to cause an argument. 59.55 million as of 2020. Yes. It's bigger than England, today. Spain. 30 million. Al.
3: 80, 80 million. 47.35 million.
0: From France. Is it? France is 80 million.
3: No, 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 France is not. France is almost the, say, the same size as the UK, but twice, about, twice the area. It's Go on. 60 million, 62 million. Mike wins 67 million. Yeah. Oh, okay. Germany is 80 million. No, no, Germany's more than that. 100 I million. G- I think Germany's 110 million. Uh, what did you say, Al? 100 million, I said.
0: 83.24 million. Fuck, I initially oh, okay. said 80 million. Yeah, okay, did, Russia. He did, he did. <laughs> uh, 150 million. Michael? I'm say
3: 125 million. 144 million. Yes. One. <laughs> yes, USA.
0: <laughs>
2: 250 million. 300 million.
0: 329
2: million. Bloody hell. Mm. Uh, Podcast favourites, Canada.
3: Oh, 27 million. Yeah, 27 million is what I was going to say. Okay, you're both wrong. 38 million. Ooh. Oh, that's gone up a lot. Isn't it it? has, not it? Let me shag Uh
2: Australia.
0: Uh, more, 22 maybe? million.
3: I'll say, Yeah, I was going to say around there, 24 million. Uh, 25 million. Oh. And finally,
2: Croatia. I'll say 4.8 million. 4.3 million.
3: 4.047 million. Oh that one as well. Well done everybody. Yes. That was fun. <laughs> Close though, isn't it? It's not like when you watch like um go on Richard Osman's House of Games and some people say, What's the population of America? They go three billion. <laughs> is, it, is, <laughs> is it a
2: billion? Is it a billion people? It's a billion, isn't it, Richard? <laughs> not bad. So FIFA Plus is what this is on, which is a free platform which I think they're gonna be making a load of documentaries for. This is the first one that they've made specifically for it. There's a load of archive up there as well. If there's a World Cup game that you ever want to watch, have a look on it, man, because there's loads. I'll be on there? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. the have archive. they got the old FIFA videos from the World Cups? I'm not sure. I haven't delved that far in, but I assume they've got all the documentaries from that as well. Oh, it's, nice. it's, it's very, very cool. So FIFA Plus, and it's called Croatia Defining a Nation.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
2: want to do another stomp you out speech. It
1: opened up so many more doors. The show
0: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
2: So this is the point where we go our separate ways. Uh, not going to push towards the Patreon this time. I'm going to push towards those rainbow bucket ads I was talking about earlier. Yeah, good idea. So have a look at the episode description. There's details there of how you do it. There's an email address you can get in touch with the guys who run that side of things if you would like to get involved in that idea, which I think is a good idea because it's my idea. <laughs> I think you should push towards that and jump on there instead. If you do want to get involved in the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash distantpod. Or if you prefer Spotify, just have a search for us on there. Uh, socially Distant Sports by Extra is where you kind of get the extra length of the pod. Uh, it is, I think we did about... I think it's about 50 minutes extra stuff last week. So it can be anything from half an hour to 55 minutes of bonus content. Or... The full length of the podcast, depending on how you wish to view what we do. But if you're not involved, that's fine. Advert's coming up. Book review after that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to say, obviously this is the bit that all the, the listeners listen to. Yes, it is. Um, so we got a, a listener called Carl Williams. Okay. Who's not on the patron, but has sent me a lovely letter. Hey, Carl. Hey, Carl. And what he sent—I'm not sure if you received yours yet—but via my agent, right? He sent us—they're really nice. They're the that that '70s Wales kit that I love. That I—I I got the the red shirt of. Yeah. Enamel pins, badges. One of the home in red. Oh, nice. And one of the away in, in yellow. Yeah. So they'll be on their way to you. We got—we got two of those each. That's so very that's kind. A, that's a very nice. Touch. Oh, nice man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. Cheers, mate. Absolutely no need for that. that's was very kind of you. Yeah. Very good of you.
0: Thank you, mate.
3: Right, Alice, what is your book for this week?
0: I think it's one of your books. So I think it's a book that's meant for you.
3: For
2: me?
0: So, yeah.
3: Okay, cool.
0: No, You're going to read it so for me? I was, up, I was having a slight. I'm is it really clear... depressing? <laughs> no, but we're having a clear up because of um, because uh, moving house. You're trying to find your books off found... on me. And I know, but I found this, and it's from Daniel Jolly. So okay. I think that this. I think he came, I think he might have given this to me at a gig, I can't remember. Hi, you're well, I came and saw the Distant Pod live gig in October in Birmingham, but fortunately I didn't get the chance to meet the three of you to give you these gifts. Oh, that's right, um, yeah, they were sent uh, to Five Live or something, I can't remember. Okay, anyway, cool. I've included these little tokens of my appreciation to say thank you for all the amazing sports, in inverted commas, content which got me through the pandemic and still continue to help me in difficult times. You could pass... Uh, the one's on to Mike and Steph. Uh, that that would be much appreciated. Jeez, I'm mate. currently this reading... October. Now. Yeah, I'm currently reading, I'm currently reading <laughs> Thanks, the one mate. that's meant for you, but it's absolutely brilliant. It's Geraint Thomas. Um, it's Phil Stead's Geraint Thomas, How a Welshman Won the Tour de France. Oh, cool. Now, listeners might know Phil Stead because I've already chosen one of his books. I chose Red Dragons, A Story of Welsh Football, which mm. is the history of Welsh football, which Good was... Work. It's a great book, and I find myself coming back to it time and time again as a reference guide. And I use it when I write articles, and it's such a useful thing to have. Because Peter Corrigan wrote one uh, for the Centenary of the FAW in nineteen seventy-six. Yeah, um, but obviously there was nothing up to th- there was nothing in between. So I'm eternally grateful. Well, to Peter as well, but also to to Phil for. Finally, settling down and writing the history of football because it's a gargantuan task. Now, the thing with Phil is I've got to know him over the last few years. He knows more about football than anyone I have ever met. What I hadn't realised until quite recently, he's also obsessed with cycling. Um, so I'll read the uh, blurb for you from the back, because this tells you all you need to know, really. Philstead watched his first live tour de France in 1994. During the past 25 years, he has slept in a car on the Ventoux, frozen on the Col du Galibet, and hitchhiked to a time trial in Morzine. He has cheered on legends like Ulrich, Indoran, and Contador from the roadside in France, and been sworn at by Marco Pantani. In the saddle, he has struggled up the famous mountains on the Alps and Pyrenees, He's ridden the Roubaix cobbles and uh, on a fold at Brompton and once gathered a record 34 mandolin cakes from the tour caravan. <laughs> he thought he had seen it all, but he never thought he would see a Welsh winner in Paris. In 2018, all that changed when Geraint Thomas took the yellow jersey and, of course, those there to witness one of the greatest moments in the history of Welsh sport. This is the story of 25 years as a cycling fan. This is the story of how Welshmen won the Tour de France. Now, I think it's a really interesting book, and I think it's a really important book, actually, because... Geraint winning the Tour de France is absolutely one of the most iconic, important moments in the history of Welsh sport, all sport. Mm. It's up there with Joe Karzaghi. It's up there with the 70s rugby team. It's up there with Sunday and qualifying for the World Cup. It is huge. It is huge. Mm. Even though I don't, I, I know very few people who don't ride a bike or can ride a bike, cycling is still, I think, a minority sport. I think a lot of people don't understand it. Yeah. So they're aware, I think, even the most general sports fan knows that it's an enormous achievement but they might not understand the sacrifice and also the tactics and i think phil does a really brilliant job of explaining that stuff in this book so it's sort of written for a layman really which is really really useful uh but phil's a great writer i really really he writes a column for Golog, a welsh football column in the welsh language magazine Golog. i really admire phil and i and I know it's meant for you, Steph, uh, and I will give it to you at some point. Yeah, that's fine. But I've, I've only just started it, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So that's Phil Steads, Geraint Thomas, How a Welshman Won the Tour de France.
2: And who was the guy who wrote and sent them to us?
0: The guy who sent them to us is called Daniel Jolly.
2: Thank you, Daniel, for my book. I look so, forward to reading it. once wait, Daniel, his yeah. thumbs and annotated? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be how I like all my books to be when they arrive in my yeah. letterbox. Upwards of a year after it was said.
3: Sorry. It's a thought the it its
2: yeah, Daniel's thought it. it's back on. <laughs> <laughs>